All praises to the Most High and the Most High only. I'm your host, Brownson Arabiji. I'm bringing to you another episode of The Narrow Path of the Righteous. The Most High put it on my spirit to speak on the topic of psychedelics and we're going to do a deep dive into psychedelics and unveil a lot of the deception behind psychedelics and what psychedelics really are to humanity because many of us already are aware of how psychedelics have been demonized and how psychedelics have been basically pushed to the wayside in terms of humanity and society's overall understanding of psychedelics you know a lot of deception and manipulation has gone into covering up what psychedelics really mean to the world you know we've basically replaced everything that's natural on this earth with synthetic genetically modified and make no mistake psychedelics are natural to this earth to human beings for a reason and we've been brainwashed and conditioned into vilifying psychedelics at least the vast majority of of society and we're going to do a deep dive into the topic of psychedelics we're going to look at it from through the lens of righteousness and use common sense and discernment to break down what psychedelics really mean to us and by no means am i an expert i've always said please go do your own research whether you agree with me or not you know that's that's cool if we're on the same page cool but it's also wise to do your own research so that you have your own understanding that's the importance of knowing thyself You know, we all have a piece to the puzzle, but we all must go deep into ourselves and come to conclusions on our own. And I'm by no means an expert on the topic of psychedelics, but my spirit told me that there's more to this, especially when I've broken down the healthcare system. I've broken down the connections to eugenics and transhumanism and allopathic medicine, you know, I've broken down science, germ theory, and all of the ways that we've been deceived and how unnatural this world is, right? And so when you begin to have understanding, you can then begin to see where the natural aspects of our life have been tainted. They've been hidden. They've been taken away from us. They've been altered. And so where there's smoke, there's usually fire. And in the topic of psychedelics there's definitely a lot of truth behind the benefits to psychedelics and there's a lot of deception too i'm not going to be biased and say that all psychedelics are good for you because that's a lie i'm not going to be biased and say oh there's no harm in using it recreationally because i myself have 
grown and matured in terms of my viewpoint on psychedelics over the years. I have a much thorough understanding on the topic. So I'm going to do my best to be as unbiased as possible and as objective as possible. And if you have any additional insight or if you know I may be incorrect somewhere, just let me know. Send me a message. You can send a voice message. That's the whole point is each one teach one. And by no means am I saying go out and take a bunch of psychedelics. But you, once we get into this, you'll see where I'm coming from. Let's take a look at a few definitions of psychedelics. Of characterized by or generating hallucinations, distortions of perception, altered states of awareness, and occasionally states resembling psychosis. Psychedelic drugs are those which cause an altered cognitive state or perception. These drugs may be part of a wider class of drugs that is more commonly known as hallucinogens. But not all psychedelics are considered hallucinogen drugs. And so, you know, that's a very interesting breakdown. Because, you know, they're going to use words like hallucinate and that, this and the third. In terms of psychedelics, they're going to make you think that, you know, you can suffer from psychosis and you'll go mad crazy. And, you know, there's truth to that depending on what psychedelics you're taking. If you're dabbling with synthetic psychedelics, then yeah, a lot can alter you and a lot can change you. Even natural. You know, we should be of the mindset that, you know, we shouldn't abuse anything at all. We should respect the naturality that the Most High gave us and use it for the right ways. And yes, psychedelics have been used in the wrong ways in many ways. But we also have to understand how they've been demonized for various reasons and make no mistakes world governments demonize them because there is there is esoteric hidden knowledge behind psychedelics and you know i'm going to go into i found a, a better breakdown a more thorough breakdown on the psychedelics.com website that i want to share so it says definitions vary for this type of drug but generally the psychedelics definition is as follows a substance that which the primary action that occurs when used is altered cognition and perception. How psychedelics originated. The term psychedelics is originally from the Greek word for soul manifesting. It was actually a breakdown of two distinct Greek terms. The term for soul and the term for to manifest. As psychedelics continue to be used, the spelling of the word was coined and changed by an American psychologist some number of years later. In 1957, the term psychedelics was re-coined by a scientist by the name of Aldous Huxley, who suggested that the previous term was incorrect and that the new terminology should be phanerothymic which was green for visible and spiritual. And so think about that. They tell you that it originally, you know, the etymology behind the word psychedelics is from a Greek word for soul manifesting. And so you got to understand, you know, to manifest is to, you know, create and to build and to grow and to, you know, to spread basically. 
and we already know that babylon wants to keep you in a cube it's not about you manifesting your soul it's not about you being free and being you know outside of the shackles of these systems it's not about any of that in fact we are witnessing what arguably one of the greatest if not greatest soul harvesting that we've ever seen up to this point you know their cube even tells you that the cube even tells you that it's going to destroy itself so we have to be wise and understand what they mean by these things what they're hiding from us they don't want us to manifest anything especially our soul they don't want us connected to nature they don't want us connected to ourselves they don't want us connected to our neighbor they don't want us connected to the most high at all how psychedelics originated the term psychedelics oh, i already read that part what are psychedelics psychedelic drugs are typically those which are unrelated to other substances such as deliriant or dis disassociatives according to the national institute on drug abuse most psychedelic drugs are hallucinogens and cannot be categorized as any other type of substance or drug via normal substance classification efforts unlike other drugs psychedelics typically completely alter the mind in a way that manipulates ordinary consciousness people who abuse psychedelics are typically aiming for a completely altered trance-like state of mind that features a complete unfamiliarity with conscious thought or behavior these drugs are often used for mind exploration or to promote dreaming types of psychedelics there are a number of different types of psychedelic drugs the most common of them tend to fall into one of three distinct compound families tritamines phenthylamines lysergidamines guidamides each type of psychedelic drug causes a distinctly different state of mind or alteration for the user some produce mild to moderate effects while others can have a serious impact and lasting impression on the user most of the time psychedelics are not heavily addictive but this does not mean that they aren't heavily dangerous the unpredictable nature of these drugs makes them highly volatile and dangerous to the user and you know what really sticks out to me is yes there are people who definitely abuse psychedelics and a lot of people will abuse it recreationally you know meaning they just really just want to get trippy right you know they want to be tripped out you know it's just like in an aspect like a drug to them like no different than alcohol and getting hammered so you know when i grew up a lot of people did use psychedelics just for that perspective but i grew up around a lot of people who use psychedelics on a deeper more spiritual reasoning and they respected psychedelics they weren't taking them every single day and they were learning from their experiences they were sharing their experiences to with each other and I've seen both sides of the coin when it comes to psychedelics. I've seen the recreational use and then I've seen people use it for a spiritual guide. And it says, are psychedelics addictive? The general answer to this question is no. Psychedelics are not generally addictive, but this does not mean that there are no cases of psychedelic drug addiction. According to the National Institute on Drug Abuse, when people do become addicted, 
they generally don't suffer from any major physical side effect as most of the addictive effects of psychedelic drugs are psychological in scope. Psychedelic drug addiction may occur as a result of a user's decision to take these drugs over and over and over again. Usually the only real sign of addiction is the cravings that come when the user is no longer high. But depression and anxiety are also common in those who are addicted to psychedelic drugs. And I believe there's definitely truth behind that. And we'll, we'll continue to dive deep. And as always, I always like to make a connection to mythology and the esoteric teachings of past civilizations in terms of the topics that we discuss because so, i always want to nail home the fact that nothing is new under the sun and that the truth is stranger than fiction we have to remember those things so let's take a look at the connection to mythology and how many natural psychedelics have been perverted and weaponized against humanity and we're going to transition over to an audio excerpt from the Chris Wright vid Rice video entitled Aztec God of Drugs Documentary, published on February 5th, 2016. Ochi is a god associated with, among other things, homosexuality, the arts, and flowers in Aztec mythology. His name, translated directly, means flower prince. But Ho Chi Pi's association with plants goes far beyond flowers. In the 19th century, a statue of Ho Chi Pi was discovered at the base of a mountain in present-day Mexico. The statue appeared to depict the flower prince in a meditative position, his face in a state of ecstatic bliss. The statue was adorned in carvings of plants that were sacred to the Aztecs. Among these were tobacco and psilocybin mushrooms, both of which are widely used to this day. But these weren't the only psychoactive plants depicted on the statue. In fact, every plant engraved into the statue is thought to have had a spiritual context in the Aztec culture. This is exactly why they made their way onto the statue in the first place. Take for instance Olilaqui, which contains LSA, a naturally occurring chemical relative of LSD. Morning Glories too contain lysergic acid in its seeds, which are known to have been ground with mortar and pestle in Aztec civilization, after which the ground seeds were brewed in water, filtered, and ultimately drank, causing psychedelic visions. The Florentine Codex is a first-hand account of what was then referred to as New Spain. Its author, a Franciscan monk, described a detailed ethnography of the Aztec culture, including their history, religion, economics, society, and even ritual practices. Among these was the use of Olenakli. It deranges one, troubles one, maddens one, makes one possessed. He who eats it, who drinks it, sees many things which greatly terrify him. He is really frightened by the poisonous serpent which he sees for that reason. Florentine Codex, Book 11, Bernardino de Hesagun, 
The book also makes reference to the morning glory's use as anesthesia in conjunction with tobacco. It was also taken to help determine causes of disease and illness. In fact, the Florentine Codex makes reference to nearly all of the entheogenic plants depicted on the Flower Prince's statue. Of psilocybin, the friar wrote, the first thing to be eaten at the feast were small mushrooms that bring on drunkenness, hallucinations, and even lechery. They ate these before the dawn with honey, and when they began to feel the effects, they began to dance, some sang and others wept. When the drunkenness of the mushroom had passed, they spoke with one another of the visions they had seen. While not depicted on the statue of the Flower Prince, it is worth mentioning that the Florentine Codex estimates the use of peyote to go back to approximately 300 BC. It is now generally regarded to be closer to 1000 BC, over 3000 years from present day. Peyote was not native to regions of Mexico in which the Aztecs lived. For this reason, it has been suggested that they received peyote by trade with other Mesoamerican people. Sahagun believed that peyote is what allowed the Aztec warriors to fight the way they did. Ochipi's statue does, however, depict Siniquichi, a plant whose name means sun opener. While relatively unknown in modern American society, Siniquichi was a go-to for Aztec shaman, producing hallucinations, most of which were auditory, and allowing them to recall far back events, by some accounts, even prenatal events. Ochipi is said to be in the flowery dream produced by Siniquichi, as depicted in the statue. This monument also depicts Malanio, a plant that has become exceedingly rare due to industrialization. As a result, not much is known about this flower, but that it was once added to hot chocolate drinks, which also frequently contained psilocybin. In addition, the plant is extremely fragrant, leading to its use as an additive to tobacco. It was used in incense and even in burial ceremonies, earning the nickname Funeral Tree. The final plant depicted on the statue is unknown, but is believed by some to be Salvia Divinorum. Salvia rituals involve chewing a handful of salvia leaves and pressing them against your cheeks and gums so that the inside of your mouth absorbs the active chemical salvadorin A. This method of consuming salvia produces significantly different effects from smoking the concentrated plant, as is seen in countless YouTube videos. This method has been used by the Mazatec tribes of Oaxaca, Mexico for centuries when psilocybin was not available. The practice is thought to have developed from the Aztecs. When the conquistadors defeated the Aztecs in 1521, 
they put a stop to the use of all non-alcohol intoxicants. They associated the use of entheogens with witchcraft and even cannibalism and wanted to spread Christianity to these people that they believed to be savages. As a result, the use of Datura in intoxicant at high doses and a delirium at lower doses, as well as psilocybin, peyote, and the like, needed to go underground and remained so for centuries. Their religion also was banned and systematically replaced with Christianity with the threat of extermination. Their religion too went underground and has manifested itself in a variety of modern traditions from Kirandarismo to Santeria. And the tradition of these sacramental plants did not die either. During the American Civil War, peyote use began spreading north from Mexico. Indian prophets such as Quana Parker and John Wilson carried a Christianized version of the ancient ritual as far north as Canada, spreading the message of peyote to more than 50 American tribes, including the Cheyenne, Shawnee, Blackfoot, and Sioux. Their teachings blended traditional peyote chants and meditation with prayers and belief in Jesus. In 1918, a group of peyotists formed the Native American Church to preserve peyote rituals and provide for continued sacramental use of the plant. Still, non-believers fought back. Eventually, 11 states sought to ban religious use of peyote, but federal courts have affirmed the right to sacramental use by Native American members of the 250,000 plus member church in more than one court decision. Back in Mexico, Shaman kept psilocybin and salvia rituals alive in secrecy. So secret, in fact, that many academics such as botanist William Safford believed the mushrooms referenced in the Florentine Codex to be an erroneous description of peyote. His colleague, Dr. Blas Pablo Rico, disagreed. He was convinced that not only did these mushrooms exist, but that they were still in usage today. An Australian anthropologist who had spent some time in Mexico heard about their dispute and confirmed that he had, in fact, witnessed one of these mushroom ceremonies. Eventually, scientists from Harvard collected these species and determined that they were what had been described in the Florentine Codex. They kept specimens of the mushrooms in the Harvard Herbarium but the Great Depression and World War II pretty much put a stop to their research until the 1950s when R. Gordon Wasson, Vice President of J.P. Morgan, an amateur mycologist, or mushroom collector for those of you who are not in the know, caught word of this sacramental mushroom. Intrigued, he and his wife headed for Mexico where they observed an all-night mushroom ceremony under the guidance of shaman Don Aurelio. Wasson would come back to Mexico several times, meeting the Mazatec Carretera Maria Sabina. 
Maria is revered to this day as a sacred figure in her native land. Maria Sabina oversaw countless mushroom ceremonies amongst our native people. When Arkord and Wasson came to visit her on June 19, 1955, Sabina provided Wasson with a sample of psilocybin. Wasson ultimately went to Swiss research chemist and father of LSD, Albert Hoffman, for help in isolating the compound that made these mushrooms psychoactive. Hoffman isolated psilocybin and psilocin, accompanying Wasson on a trip to Mexico to provide the extract in pill form to Maria Sabina to see if she found a difference. Perhaps there was some minor alkaloid that they had missed. Sabina was pleased with the result of the pills, saying they would allow her to administer the medicine but no mushrooms were available. Lawson went on to publish the first article about psilocybin in popular culture in Life magazine in 1957. Mushrooms became more and more well-known throughout the 1960s, attracting the likes of Keith Richards, Mick Jagger, John Lennon, and Bob Dylan to the Sierra Mazateca. Eventually, Mexican authorities questioned Maria Sabina, who they believed was selling drugs to tourists. This greatly altered the social dynamic of the Mazatec mushroom ceremony and almost led to its demise. Maria Sabina was ostracized by her community for allowing so many Westerners to partake in the ritual. Her house was burned to the ground. Sabina died in 1985, believing that the sacred ritual that made her famous had become desecrated by its spread into Western culture. Before Wasson, Nobody took the children simply to find God. They were always taken to cure the sick. But the importance of her teachings cannot be understated. Modern medicine is now undergoing a psychedelic renaissance with those afflicted by PTSD, depression, and anxiety, especially concerning end of life, seeing unprecedented improvement with psilocybin mushrooms. Maria's holy children are again being used to heal the sick. One can only hope that, in time, the stigma that has surrounded entheogens, since Westerners first rediscovered them in the 1500s, will ultimately be lifted. respect to the narrator you know very well put together insight and you know i don't take everything people say you know 100 percent. i'm gonna use my own common sense and discernment but you know kudos to the brother for taking the time to investigate the history that they gave to us and break it down for us and so that's a lot to take in so we're gonna speak on what we just listened to you know, and from my perspective, break down what really is the deception and what really is the truth. And so, you know, they gave you a deity at the beginning, you know, the God, 
you know, of drugs, of psychedelics. And they mention a god associated with homosexuality, the arts and flowers in Aztec mythology. So that right there already should raise a red flag when you hear the god of homosexuality, the arts and flowers. And they call them the flower prince. You know, you got to understand that they always have to pervert the creation of the Most High. And they need to take claim to it and give glory to their idols. That's what these, these Nephilim, these entities, these bloodlines need to do. They take everything that's natural and they pervert it. They, they, they give credit to deities and demigods and gods and goddesses instead of the creator. You know, and think about what they broke down, what the brother broke down in the video. You know, they're making they're mentioning statues, you know, creating statues, which we already know is idolatry in and of itself. When you have a statue, you know, that in and of itself right there is you're worshiping a graven image. And I find it just, you know, hypocritical how, you know, Christianity and all these so-called religions say you, you can't idol worship. But yet, you know, we worship statues and monuments and images all the time. You know, and I think it's very interesting how they had mentioned, you know, morning glories, because I personally have taken morning glories, which is LSA. That's the active ingredient. And it is a seed. It's it's it comes from a, a flower. And I believe I have been I've taken morning glories upwards of, you know, four or five times, maybe more. And this was only back in high school. And I haven't taken any psychedelics since I was maybe 21 20 20 or 21 i think it was closer to my graduation the last time i ever took a psychedelic was mushrooms and that was that was over a decade ago so i haven't been active with psychedelics but even back then when i was you know experimenting and a lot of my experimentation really only occurred in high school especially the morning glories i didn't do any in college and that was a period in my life that i'm very thankful for because I stuck to my gut instinct of not taking any synthetic drugs. I never took acid, you know, I never took MDMA or ecstasy or molly or whatever they want to call it because I just was never about synthetic man-made drugs. For some reason, I believe honestly that that was the most high in me. You know, I, I've taken mushrooms twice. I've taken morning glories a handful of times. I've had opium. I think once or twice I've had hash, of course, marijuana. I really just kept it in, kept it to those. You know, I spoke about it in the episode of drugs. Yes, I made mistakes and I've, I've taken, you know, pills before in, in my earlier days. And that was mainly in high school. I never took a pill, you know, ever again, just for recreational use in college. I was done with pills. The last time I ever took a pill is when I, when I tore my ACL and my meniscus, you know, seven years ago. And I took, you know, the prescription meds that they gave me just out of the necessity, you know, looking back, that was still a mistake, but I never pursued pills after I'd seen the damage that they did to people. I've always tried to keep it as natural as possible. And so that's what we have to understand is that a lot of these so-called psychedelics are hidden from us for a reason. And, you know, Think about what the narrator had mentioned, you know, the history, religion and economics, the Aztecs that were practicing. And he, he mentioned even ritual practices. And that's why I say nothing is new under the sun. All of these civilizations have used the same copy and paste. All of these deities, you got to understand a lot of these deities live from 
civilization is civilization this is go look at the brother conscious x and divine Shade's breakdowns on youtube you know the mythology is real these entities have played multiple roles throughout many civilizations so there's a there's a reason why the civilizations are very you know similar is because they're running the same script on us they give us the indoctrination systems you know from civilization to civilization and they have a reset they reset the population and then they give you new you know a new way of life then they give you you know altered history and you know i thought it was very interesting when the narrator had mentioned how morning glories were used as an anesthesia along with tobacco and think about how unnatural anesthesia is like you got to have an anesthesiologist who needs to go to school for upwards of a decade to ensure that they don't kill you like you can literally die in you know just just from having anesthesia and most people don't even realize that so if we have something on this on this earth that is actually natural why was that replaced you got to ask these questions why why did all of the holistic ways get replaced with allopathic medicine you know imagine what was discussed amongst those who know the use of psychedelics you know i i had a conversation with my father recently and he had mentioned how my grandfather was a herbalist and i i was like shocked you know like he always told me that he had a farm but no he was like no he was actual full-on herbalist and he healed people over in nigeria he said if people came and had seizures or you know or the women were unable to get pregnant his dad would just literally go out in the bush and go find what he needed and he was healed and he would heal them my dad witnessed people with seizures get healed just from herbs and so it makes me think was my grandfather knowing of certain psychedelics because they're going to label them as psychedelics right anytime the average person hears the word psychedelics they're automatically going to tie that to a drug right they're gonna be oh that person's on drugs you know they're they're crazy you're gonna you're gonna think of like a fear and loathing and, and you know fear and loathing in las vegas type scenario that's what most people are going to think about but if you had natural reoccurring things that helped with anesthesia helped with seizures you know helped with a woman who couldn't get pregnant of course you know this system is going to destroy that because they told you that they can't patent nature so what they needed to do was change how we healed ourselves, how we medicated ourselves naturally. And they made everything synthetic and unnatural. And it pains me to know that I don't have any of that knowledge from my grandfather. Like that literally like was like a gut punch. Because I asked my father, I'm like, did you ever try learning from, from your dad? And he's like, no, I wasn't interested. And he learned nothing from his, his grandfather. Like that, that right there goes to show you how big of the brainwash is, because if you actually look back at Africa, the continent of Africa and all these different countries that they divided the people into, you got to understand how they were westernized, how they came in with their own education, their own finance, their own government, their own healthcare, their own religion and told you you were primitive. You need to live this way. This is the right, proper way to live. Right. And then they replaced all of the natural. You best believe all of the actual doctors that were healing were basically blackballed. And I guarantee my dad was conditioned to believe that he needs to go get an education. You know, he needs to be able to provide. He was basically given no choice because, you know, the people were poor. You know, they, they've put us into these situations where we have to depend on them. So they, they, they force our hand to comply and so therefore, of course, my father wasn't into the, the healing practices because for him, he needed to go get money for the family. 
he needed to be you know more westernized and it's no different than my my lady's mother too she my, my woman had told me that her mom grew up in a situation where she went to school and that she was being taught western principles and so that brainwashing goes so deep to the fact that you could even be around your own parents who are from these 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 countries in africa who actually had parents that healed and farmed and lived off the land and you 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 try to show them this and like it's like they don't they don't want to even be to even be reminded of that because to them that's primitive and they don't want any connection to their past and it's it's sad it's really sad that they have erased our past people it's it's a crime against humanity it really is and it it pisses me off that they they took away that connection that i would have had if i would have known that like i for sure would have learned from my grandfather i would have gone under his wing to learn how to heal naturally because that's in my that's my calling that's exactly what i want to do is i want to live off completely live off the land like we we're supposed to be i want to be able to heal myself from the land 100 percent and you know you know just listening through the video of course they mentioned peyote and the connections to the aztecs and war you know, just another way to showcase their evil ways onto the world. You know, and like they mentioned, Sini Quichi was a go-to for Aztec gods, known as Sun Opener, giving strong hallucina hallucinations to give people the ability to recount past events. I mean, think about all of the plants they hide from us. I mean, you best believe that there are hidden lands that contain these properties. And I wouldn't be surprised that that's, this is where these entities dwelled, that, that where they dwell. They don't dwell. They don't live in the cities that we live in. I guarantee they're somewhere else, probably in places where the sky isn't being sprayed. The soil isn't destroyed. The water isn't poisoned. The food isn't poisoned. I guarantee. Why do you think these entities can live so long? They're doing something that we don't know. They're probably taking advantage of the naturality while we have all pure synthetic, the real creation of the Most High. That's really what I'm, I'm beginning to believe. You know, and they even mentioned salvia and how that was naturally eaten. That's why I mentioned a lot of these, these psyops have destroyed us because we've taken what's natural and we perverted it. I really don't believe you should be smoking salvia nor marijuana. I believe something like that should be digested whether through food or through tea or, you know, a tincture, whatever it may be, oils. I think none of that should be smoked. I think that they knew that and they perverted that. And think about what they what the narrator exposed to us. When the so-called conquistadors defeated the Aztecs, they put a stop to all non-alcoholic intoxicants. And so why do you think they label alcohol as a depressant, people? It's not going to uplift you. It's not going to help you manifest your soul and expand and get closer to nature and closer to thyself and closer to, you know, your fellow human being and closer to the most high. Absolutely not. It's going to destroy you. It's, it's going to spiral you down into a life of dependency and addiction. I mean, think about the definition of a depressant. You know, a depressant or a central depressant is a drug that lowers. And this is just a Wikipedia breakdown. It's a drug that lowers neurotransmission levels which is to depress or reduce arousal or stimulation in various areas of the brain depressants are also occasionally referred to as downers as they lower the level of arousal when taken stimulants or uppers increase mental and or physical function hence the opposite drug class of depressants 
is stimulants, not antidepressants. So, I mean, they're basically admitting to you what they're doing to you. They're, they're destroying your brain and your brain's natural ab ability to be aroused or stimulated. Why do you think so many people's serotonin levels are shot and that they need to get on, you know, things like, you know, Abilify, Abilify, whatever they pronounce it, and they need to get on other psychotropic drugs just to feel, not knowing that these antidepressants, these drugs, these psychotropic drugs are actually numbing them. And, think, and look at, listen to this. Depressants are widely used throughout the world as prescription medicines and as illicit substances. You know, alcohol is a very prominent depressant. It's crazy. So, of course, they'll replace psychedelics with alcohol and label psychedelics as evil and tied to witchcraft. You know, like Christians will go around saying, oh, this is pagan, this is pagan, this is witchcraft, this is dark magic. But they're doing the same thing. They're literally practicing it. You know, think about how evil that is on top of taking away these people's customs. And I know I'm not saying the Aztecs were perfect from what they told us, you know, worshiping other deities and everything that that's idol worship. But you got to think about who introduced that to them. It's these these fallen angel bloodlines, these 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 entities introduced it. But think about how they spread Christianity and gave them alcohol instead of their natural ways. I mean, think about it, what they what 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 Christianity is about. They tell you Jesus turned water into wine, people. And once they push Christianity onto the world, of course, it spread like wildfire. Of course, they will allow Narrative Americans to use peyote as long as they believe in their Jesus and partake in their rituals. I mean, they told you that they created the what the Native American church and that they, they were worshiping Jesus in their celebration. So they basically replaced their own customs for a religion, people. And you can't you don't even know if the history is correct. How do you know that they're? Yeah, I do believe that they there were sacrifices going on throughout a lot of civilizations. But what if these people were literally just using it for spiritual and medicinal purposes? But the Christians lied to you and said that they were pagans and that they were doing it to deities and all this. And then they took their customs away. Who knows? And of course, the Great Depression and World War II put a stop to psychedelic research. You think that is that by mistake? And of course, they conclude, you know, the studies when the vice president of J.P. Morgan steps in. Of course, it's always these entities that step in and have to, you know, take a look into things and they have to bring their scientists into it. So, I mean, are we going to listen to these psychopaths versus the cultures and natives that use them and knew them and respected the psychedelics? You know, these entities that are in control love to destroy everything. I mean, think about the story that he gave you at the end. So these, so these entities go to visit these natives and learn about psilocybin and then run back to the so-called fa so father of LSD, who then gets scientists involved. And that these wicked scientists get a hold of a natural component and go back and deliver it in pill form? <laughs> Are you kidding me? You know, and that Maria lady looks like she was a part of a psyop as well. You got to remember, not all kinfolk is, you know, all, not all skinfolk is kinfolk. Like you got to understand that just because they look like you doesn't mean that they have your best interest, people. You got to understand that there are entities that live amongst us that look just like you and I. And then think about, you know, of course, that individual who was visiting the Maria lady goes on to publish his work on mushrooms and then it blows up. So he gets all the credit and then mushrooms become more and more popular. And then, of course, it attracts the likes of a Keith Richards, a Mick Jagger, a John Len Lennon and a Bob Dylan. These are all government puppets, people. A lot of these puppets, you know, you, even when you bring up like the Beatles or a Jimi Hendrix, 
you know, or the doors or anything. These are the same puppets that pushed the hippie movement psyops and the free thinker psyops. They led the people astray. You know, you gotta, we gotta really think about these things. And let's take a look at the so-called history of psychedelics and ties to ancient civilizations a little bit further. Let's look at what they give into us as far as a timeline. According to the blog.retrat.guru article entitled The History of Psychedelics, A Timeline of Psychedelic Drugs, written by Sam Wolf. So let's take a look at some of the the timelines they give us. So they're saying Western discovery of psychedelics. And it was some time before Westerners discovered the use of psychedelics among different cultures. Some discoveries were first made by European explorers who sailed to Latin America. Here's a timeline of some of the most famous discoveries. So they're saying in 1946, Ferrar Raymond Payne, who accompanied Christopher Columbus on his second journey to Americas, noted how the Taino people of Haiti slash the Dominican Republic would consume a psychoactive snuff called Coba slash Yoba. This, this snuff is made from Anadithera pergina, a type of shrub that contains DMT and 5-MeO-DMT. And so, you know, if you want to believe in a Christopher Columbus, that's up to you. That, to me, is just, you know, a, a euphemism or a symbology for a system that came in and destroyed. And it says in 1950, 1560, Fray Bernardio de Chagun, a Spanish missionary priest, wrote in his Florentine Codex about how the Aztecs were using peyote and psychedelic mushrooms. From 1570 to 1575, Francisco Hernandez, a Spanish, a Spanish conquistador, carried out investigations in Mexico and discovered the use of oliquí by the Aztecs. This is a species of morning glory, a plant, the seeds of which contain LSA. In 1591, the Spanish physician Juan de Cardenas described the use of peyote in the Indies. So, I mean, these people, they, they knew what they were doing. They were going back and basically snitching on a lot of the natural ways. They, they had to alter the naturality of the people. And so it says in 1851, English ethnobotanist Richard Spruce was exploring the Amazon and observed that the Tucano Indians of the Rio Uapaz in Brazil were drinking the visionary brew ayahuasca. In 1864, French physician Griffon du Bellay reported the use of aboga root, which contains ibogaine in Gabon and the Congo. You know, so it's just interesting. I just wanted to put a little bit of insight into, you know, what they tell us as far as timelines. And I highly recommend looking at this. I'm not going to be able to go through all of the timelines because they do a great job of breaking down the timeline of basically the inception of them going into people's ways of life and destroying it all the way up into modern day you know if we had time i'd go through them all but i highly recommend checking out this article and i'll make sure to link it as well in the description but you got to understand that there were, i really believe in my heart there was a time that we were very close to being natural and they had to come in and pervert that people why do you think we're in the positions that we are now? Why do you think the world is so sick? Not just from the body and the mind, but the spirit, the soul. Why? 
you know it's it's deep it's it's really really deep you know you got to understand like how deep this goes and let's let's continue to go a little bit deeper and let's look at another civilization that was using psychedelics and we'll transition over to an audio excerpt from the Chris Wright video, Rice video entitled Psychedelics of Ancient Egypt, published on April 15, 2019. The Aryan tribes that settled in Iran went on to form the Persian Empire, whose rule reached from the borders of India all the way to the land of Egypt by 500 BCE. But some suggest the Egyptians had knowledge of cannabis nearly 1,500 years before that. The oldest complete medical text, the Ebers Papyrus, as well as other writings of the time, contain reference to a plan, Shem Shem Tu, which was created by the sun god Ra and used in ceremonies honoring the dead. It is believed by many to be none other than marijuana. Shem Shem Tu, used medicinally, was often combined with honey and used in topical medical preparations for inflammation. Whether this interpretation of Shem Shem Tu's identity is correct or not, there is other evidence indicative of ancient Egyptian knowledge of cannabis. For example, the goddess Shashat is almost universally depicted with a seven-pointed symbol, often resembling the seven-pointed marijuana leaf above her head. Similarly, hemp fibers have been discovered in the tomb of Akhenaten, with hemp pollen found inside of the mummy of Ramesses II, who died nearly 700 years before the Persian conquest of Egypt. Both of these samples have undergone chemical analysis and confirmed to be weed. There are also numerous hieroglyphics showing what appear to be smoking pipes or ceremonial incense burners. And while these have been attributed by some to represent ceremonial use of the blue lotus flower, which itself is psychoactive, most researchers agree that blue lotus was steeped in wine as opposed to being smoked. Take for instance various crowns depicted in ancient Egyptian art. Some researchers believe that these are representative of psilocybe mushrooms, and wearing such headwear was indicative of having achieved enlightenment via the mushroom, an experience that was reserved for the higher class. Some have even argued that Egyptian ankhs, symbolic of life, are stylized representations of mushrooms. Though there is no definitive evidence to suggest that this is so, there is imagery that appears to show the Ankh being fed to the god Osiris, the god of spiritual rebirth, whose spirit is said to reside in barley, a known substrate for psilocybe. A 
Other Egyptian hieroglyphs share a striking resemblance with hallucinogenic mushroom species as well. These parasol-shaped carvings, typically referred to as an unidentified plant by mainstream Egyptologists, are referred to in the pyramid texts as a golden plant with magical properties used only in the most sacred celebration of the gods. What's more, the Egyptian Book of the Dead discusses the very secretive way in which such rituals were conducted. Let no stranger anywhere have knowledge of it. Do not speak about it to any man. Do not repeat it. Let no eye see it. Let no ear hear it. Let no one see it except thyself and him who taught it to thee. Let not the multitude know of it except thyself and the beloved friend of thy heart. But this highly ritualized use of mushroom sacraments is not only true of ancient Egypt. For early examples of dimethyltryptamine use in Western culture, we needn't look any further than ancient Egypt. While the plants used in ayahuasca are not native to Egypt, DMT-containing plants are found literally all over the world. The ancient Egyptians were well aware of at least one of these plants, Acacia melodica, which they called the Tree of Life. The Tree of Life is displayed prominently throughout Egyptian mythology, appearing in hieroglyphs and even being discovered in tombs that have been unearthed. Clearly, this plant was important to the ancient Egyptians. So important, in fact, that they believed Osiris, god of the underworld, was born beneath an acacia tree. And while the evidence for ritualistic use of acacia by the ancient Egyptians is purely circumstantial, their knowledge of endogenous DMT production was seemingly very sophisticated. It has been well documented that Egyptians routinely performed crude brain surgeries such as lobotomies, but it seems increasingly evident that their understanding of the human brain may not have been quite as archaic as we believe. Ancient hieroglyphs frequently feature this symbol, the Eye of Ra, the Egyptian god of the sun. This symbol was frequently celebrated in temple rituals for its life-giving powers and its protection over the spirit. But let's take a closer look. This ancient symbol looks incredibly similar to the pineal gland the part of the brain responsible for the endogenous production of DMT, as confirmed by modern scientific experiments. Thought by many to be responsible for dreams, the meditative state, and even the near-death experience, the pineal gland is often known as the third eye, or, as Descartes put it, the seat of the soul. Is it possible that the ancient Egyptians were aware of the significance of this unassuming gland embedded deep in the tissue of the human brain? There's no way to know for certain, but it seems that various cultures throughout the ancient world were most likely peripherally aware of its existence. Again, much respect to the narrator for breaking this down and helping us understand the connection of psychedelics to ancient Egypt. And, you know, I don't take everything that I hear as truth. You know, we know there's a lot of deception when it comes to historical dates, right? 
However, we w must realize that they hide so much truth in plain sight. Even if you look at their paintings, if you go to their museums and stuff, they're showing you what they were using on the people, what, what they were doing to the people. You know, why do you think all these psychedelics are being worshipped? Why are they depicted in holistic remedies? You know, what do we not know or understand? I found it very interesting how he mentioned the ancient god Ra. You know, the brothers Edgar Mendix, Cerf, Paul Davis, they've broken down Ra and the connection to Tor Ra. You know, you got to understand that these deities are real. These are real. These are deities that are worshipped by people as being real. These entities, they love to be worshipped. So I found it very interesting how many so many connections can come up when you investigate, looking into things. And... You know, they always tell us how advanced the ancient Egyptians are, right? They try to tell you that the Egyptian, like, normal men and women created these, you know, these pyramids and they did all of these things. Got to understand that these are entities, people. There's nothing new under the sun. And ultimately, I do believe in my heart they perverted psychedelics from the people because they didn't want us to reach a higher consciousness. And they used those psychedelics for themselves to hide this knowledge from us why do you think the average person with all due respect is basically sheepish they can't think outside of the cube they can't even expand their mind to even begin to even fathom thinking outside of the cube you know they can't even like start the process of maybe there's something to this and so that's why i'm thankful to a lot of my friends back in the day who you know showed me more information in the psychedelics you know i've had a ton of friends and i know they know who they are if they're listening you know these are the friends who and what i've noticed is a lot of my friends who were open-minded about psychedelics and you know higher learning and learning things outside of the indoctrination system you know they are the most open mind some of the most open-minded people i've met and to this day some of the most open-minded people these are the type of people who question the government and the pandemics and hoaxes and stuff like that versus the people who really didn't gravitate towards psychedelics or automatically demonize them through propaganda a lot of these are the these are the people that will go and drink alcohol but then call and, and smoke tobacco and take prescription medication you know and then call you crazy because you you went and had magic mushrooms or lsa and and you question the government there's there's a connection to that i really do that believe a lot of these psychedelics if taken the right way can expand and open your mind to new thoughts you know what we used to love and enjoy doing is if we if i was on morning glories or if i took mushrooms you know i would be surrounded by nature i would be surrounded by i would want to learn i'd be engulfed in music you know i would have the, some of my deepest conversations i've ever had in my life were with my friends and now I miss that completely in my life, especially now that we've all grown, grown older and we're in the rat race, completely don't have those type of conversations anymore. And like now that we know a lot of the ancient connections to psychedelics and the mythology and the history that they gave us, let's take a look at the propaganda against psychedelics and what these entities and so-called governments are trying to hide. According to the SJSU, dot com article entitled the government fears higher thinking written by chris core and published on april 15 2020 upon putting magic mushrooms into my mouth for the first time last summer 
I was intrigued by the spiritual experience and hallucinations that many people said would change my life. It did exactly that. Seeing a night sky full of glitter with purple and green auroras floating around me as I danced through the grass with someone I loved inspired immense feelings of joy and happiness that I didn't know existed. The trees were swaying and I was finally seeing the world in the most beautiful perspective. As I came down hours later, I thought to myself, how could a drug that gave me access to dreamlike euphoria and transformative thinking be so demonized? It is incredibly plausible that the only reason psychedelics are still illegal is because the United States government fears people having the ability to reach deeper parts of their consciousness and higher levels of thinking. You know, think about that. After the psychedelic 60s, former President Richard Nixon intensified America's war on drugs and passed the Controlled Substances Act in 1970. The policy resulted in misperceptions of risk and highly restrictive regulation that psychedelics, according to the John Hopkins Center of Psychedelic and Consciousness Research, If the United States Government and Drug Enforcement Administration continue to render psychedelics such as LSD, psilocybin, MDMA, and DMT as Schedule 1 drugs, then they are perpetuating ignorance. And like I said, I, I'm not a proponent of LSD or MDMA. A lot of people may get mad at me that listen to this, but you got to go. I personally have looked into it, and they are synthetic. I personally am just never going to trust a scientist. You can. That's your choice. It is free will, but I'll never, ever trust anything that's man-made. I can't. It's just, that's just, I've learned too much. I've been deceived too much. I've been manipulated too much through these synthetic things in our lives. I really have. According to the DEA, Schedule 1 drugs have a high potential for abuse and the potential to create severe psychological and or physical dependence with no currently accepted medical use <laughs> of course they don't want you to abuse it in the fact that they say you'll get addicted to it but then they'll give you alcohol and tobacco and prescription meds that actually are the ones that get you addicted you see the hypocrisy I said psychedelics are powerful psychoactive substances that alter perception and mood and affect numerous cognitive processes, according to the National Center for Biotechnology Information. The center said they are generally considered physiologically safe and do not lead to dependence or addiction. So you see how your government's telling you one thing, but then there's other you know, studies that are telling you the complete opposite. It's, it's plausible deniability. They can go and say, well, we told you. Listen to this. Over 67,000 Americans died from an opioid drug overdose in 2018, according to data released by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. So with all of these deaths, people, if they're still being marketed to the people, for real, do you really think that they're going to stop giving these these drugs to the people even if it kills you they don't care even if you get addicted they don't care but of course the psychedelics stay away from them 
you know we we know the majority of you have never tried psychedelics we know the majority of you have never actually met a herbalist somebody who who lives off the land and has has helped pe help heal people naturally we know you have never experienced that but just take our word for it of course the government fears higher thinking people they don't want you questioning nothing they've already shown you that you can't say nothing for real you can't say nothing in this society anymore without being demonized you can't and let's transition over to the importance of ensuring that we never overdo psychedelics and always respect them because that's like what i said at the beginning you know now that i'm older and it's been over a decade since i've had any type of psychedelic i understand the importance of respecting them in relation to my life and growth and i'm thankful to the most high that i didn't over the last 10 years because the last 10 years have really been me just getting to know thyself and healing from past traumas and facing my insecurities and my fears and being able to be in a position in my life where i have full peace of mind i feel free right now it's it's really hard to explain but knowing what i know empowers me you know seeking the most high every day like this is i don't just make a podcast and then i go out in the world and just go back and divert to what i used to be you know i'm always like this i'm always tuned in this is my life so i understand the need to respect psychedelics you know i do plan on taking them again but i want to sure that ensure that i'm 100 percent ready and better researched you know, I know when the time when the time is ready, the most high will let me know. And so we're going to transition over to an audio excerpt from the Natural Lifestyles video entitled Are Psychedelics Safe? Published on August 18, 2019. Taking something and you didn't understand why you took it or how much you've taken, for example, and you just overdose on it. It can have very, uh, you know, strong... Uh, side effects like being intoxicated on uh, psychedelics is not a very pleasant thing. Psychedelic use is not an end in itself, in my opinion. It's a way to see things and adjust to the world in a different way, but it's not something that actually gives you lasting transformation because the tendency is you have an altered state of experience, maybe you have some peak states and some insights, and then you come back to your everyday consciousness and it tends to slip away. It tends to go back to normal fairly quickly. And it can be somewhat frustrating because then the idea is that people go back and they take more. And I've seen a lot of that. People in psychedelic communities or, you know, taking medicines and things and they keep coming back over and over and over and over and over again for years and years to try and get uh, some resolution or transformation inside themselves. And really, uh, it's not actually serving the purpose. What I've also seen though is that people that use psychedelics sparingly in conjunction with healthy lifestyle, in conjunction with things like getting into their bodies, being fit, knowing themselves, doing self-inquiry, you know, taking care of themselves with things like meditation uh, and, and doing actual like work, like real spiritual work or real self-transformational work, then psychedelics can really activate that structure. Psychedelics can really bring out deeper levels of understanding and experience uh, of those kinds of practices that people are doing and then as that happens uh, they can integrate that and they, it becomes like a kind of an anchor that then they can work with over time to keep coming back to raise their levels their baseline of understanding of what's going on because one of the virtues of things like psychedelics 
because they can give you an insight into a world that you may have never seen before. And as a result of that insight, it's going to give you a kind of access to different states of consciousness for periods of time. So it can open things up. And there's plenty, plenty to be said about the fact that having psychedelics can often open you up to a kind of extra dimensional slash uh, mystical experience of the world, which many people have never had before. And it can be an extremely game-changing kind of experience if you're ready for that kind of thing. You know, kudos to the brother on his perspective and being honest. And I and I appreciate how he mentioned the notion of needing to be ready before you even consider taking a psychedelic. And I had this conversation with my lady recently. You know, she she actually brought up the topic, and you know, I was I wasn't really surprised she brought it up. You know, I, I you know I knew eventually we would both talk about it, but she had a little bit of excitement you know bringing up the topic which is completely fine especially if you don't have any experience with psychedelics and she's at a point in her life where she's really working on her on her life changing her life and getting knowing herself you know forgiving herself you know knowing the most high getting close to nature like she's really putting the work in and it's it's not easy and so when she had mentioned how you know she wanted to try you know psychedelics i didn't shoot her down i just said you know what babe we got to make sure that we're both at a place and that we're both ready and i showed I, I explained to her my own experiences on them and the things that i saw with other people that were harmed how it altered them and how it changed them and how you know if you don't purge a lot of these things you're going through like things can happen and if you know anybody who's taken mushrooms when i grew up people would always you know give you advice and say hey you need to be with somebody you can trust you need to have some like a sitter or somebody who can drive you around like ideally to be out in nature and have a sober ride and somebody who can be there for you and help you if things get intense and you got to trust them and they also say make sure you do it when you're in a happy place make sure you have enough sleep you, you're not hung over you're not drinking you're not on other other substances so these are things that people have to take into consideration and I 100% agree you got to be ready before even considering them and you know I don't think it's a problem if people want to consider it but I think people need to focus on making sure they're ready before they even consider it because right now in my life I no longer view them from a recreational standpoint I, I don't it's all spiritual and medicinal and healing I really do believe that it's all making you aware of this reality and the deception behind the reality and getting closer to not only yourself and nature but also the most high and each other humanity that's what i believe that these psychedelics were made for us for was to keep alignment with nature keep alignment with ourselves keep alignment with humanity and keep alignment with the most high that's why they tell you you only use 10 percent of your brain people because they're showing you how to think they're, they're telling you how to think they don't want you, you know, thinking deeper, thinking beyond this system. Like, hey, wait a minute. I actually have the power to learn skills and survive on my own. I, I can come together with this person, learn from them. They can learn from me. We don't need this system. We don't need their money. We don't need their education. We don't need their finance. We don't need their government. We don't need their health care. You think the government wants you to come to that, that, that place in your life of understanding that? Of course they don't. 
of course they're going to demonize psychedelics and put them on a schedule and drug of course they're going to give you you know the hippie movement and show you you know synthetic psychedelics and thinking that they're good for you and saying oh this is what you should do and taking psychedelics the wrong way they're going to pervert what's natural people think about it in my humble opinion we must first be healing ourselves internally before we seek any external help from psychedelics this it's not a band-aid over an open wound people you got to be healing yourself and the power comes from you otherwise these psychedelics will cause more harm than good and i've seen it firsthand people i've seen psychedelics make people paranoid especially the synthetic ones i've seen people's you know moods change and their and their personalities change i would even say when i was a heavy heavy smoker there was a point in my life from when i first started smoking weed at 16 years old i don't even think i even took a break like there was days where maybe i don't i don't even think there was many days where i, I skipped i'm not kidding you and I was definitely in a lower vibration. I definitely was dependent on these things. I definitely was using weed as a crutch and a band-aid when I wasn't even using it for its medicinal reasons. I was using it recreationally. It's no different than, you know, psychedelics. And I've seen people use psychedelics re recreationally and the havoc it's rec wreaked on them. I really have. And that's why I said I'm not going to be biased in this podcast. I'm going to, in this episode, I'm going to be honest with you about you know, there's a good and a bad to them. And if you're if you're not ready for psychedelics, you shouldn't at all take them at all. Stay away from them. You definitely shouldn't use them recreationally. They are to be respected and used in the way that they're meant to be used. So let's take a look at the bitter truth behind the dark side to psychedelics and their ties to the deception of idolatry and new age movements. And we're going to transition over to an audio excerpt from the Tony Sayers video entitled The Dark Side of Cannabis and Psychedelics published on September 24, 2021. Hey, beautiful people, how you doing? So I'm out here in the middle of a Costa Rican jungle and uh, I left and it was sunny. Now it's starting to pee it down. So I don't know how well this video is going to go, but I'm going to give it my best shot anyway. So today, guys, I want to speak about a very sensitive subject, um, one that I've held off from speaking about for quite a while now. Um, because I understand how sensitive it is, how attached people these, uh, how attached people are to these things, and um, it's taken me a long time to really not pluck up the courage, but you know, find the right time to talk about it. Because, as many of you know, many of you who have subscribed to the channel, um, I talk about many of the trappings within the New Age movement, without within the Sado spiritual movement. You know, the false white light, false white light beings, chakras, many things that we're told are great, are good for us, um, that actually when you scratch beneath the surface uh, are, are actually just another level of the manipulation. Okay, so this, this, I understand that this is not always popular information. I understand that this may be not a popular video. Okay, but truth is truth. And, um, you know, I really want to bring some uh, awareness and give an alternative perspective around plant medicine in general and, and my experiences and how as an energy healer I see the effects of both psychedelics and weed on people when I work on them okay so I'm not telling people how to live their lives I'm not telling people what to do uh, I've done both myself I've had great insights from both I've had great experiences from both but as the years have gone by and I've gone deeper with the work that I do uh, and people are coming to me with problems after taking stuff. Um, 
you know, it's, it's time to call it out as the way I see it, okay? So this is the intention behind the video. So please just, you know, don't shoot the messenger here. Like, have an open mind. Um, so basically, what I want to explain is, right, any time you alter your consciousness or you go out of your center, both um, intentionally or unintentionally, you are opening, potentially open your, opening yourself up to distorted forms of consciousness, okay? You go, when you drop in vibration, because weed drops you in vibration, psychedelics, certain psychedelics drop you in vibration, and you open yourself up. And many people who have seen my other work will know that what is in 4D isn't good. Yeah, these are all your bottom feeders, your parasitic forms of consciousnesses that are siphoning human energy. And they're literally waiting for people to go outside of their consciousness so they can come in, infiltrate, start siphoning the energy, you know, which causes problems with productivity, it causes problems with relationships. They, start, they can start controlling thoughts, looping negative mind loops, anxious thoughts around... And it can cause a whole host of problems. And it's not just weed and psychedelics, it's alcohol as well. You know, why do you think they call them spirits? Yeah, it's telling you. When you get drunk, you go out of your centre, you, you will have a spiritual possession. Yeah, and you might not see it like that, but that is what, that is what happens, you know. What's your poison? You know, you hear that at the bar, what's your poison? It's telling you, okay. But it's very different around psychedelics and weed because in the spiritual movements and the new age, they are praised to high heaven. You know, go off to the jungle and do, take some ayahuasca and, you know, one, one or two cups of ayahuasca is going to cancel out a lifetime full of trauma, abuse, sexual abuse. Guys, you know, nature doesn't work like that. I'm not saying that you can't have purges. Sorry, it's really tipping it down here now. Um, maybe... I'm not saying you can't have breakthroughs, but, you know, that is really, if you, especially if you're, if you have a lot of trauma, to go out and take DMT or ayahuasca, when you haven't done any internal work, you know, you're going to get hit hard. And the reason I can say that with confidence, <laughs> excuse me, that, is because um, through the work that I do, through the healing sessions that I do, people come to me after... You know, after taking psychedelics, Tony, I took this at the weekend, I was fine, Monday I'm starting to get suicidal thoughts. And, you know, I'm not saying that happens all the time, I'm not saying that you can't have great experiences, but you're playing Russian roulette, okay? The safest place, and this is what people don't want to hear, the safest place is to stay in your consciousness. Because if you stay in your own consciousness, these entities, these energies have less ways of getting in. If you're opening yourself up like that, then they have a much easier route in and then they can start pulling the strings and infiltrating and causing problems. And it's the same with weed, okay? And I know people are going to hate me for saying that and I want to make it clear, right? I am not at all... Um, this is the, the medicinal benefits of marijuana, of cannabis, whatever you want to call it. I'm not in question in this video. You know, I know it helps people. I'm not questioning that at all. When you smoke weed, you drop in vibration. When you drop in vibration, 
That's when energies, entities, and things like that can come in. Okay, I've seen it. I've even seen it in my own life where I went through a phase of smoking a lot of weed and I wasn't the same. My, producti my productivity levels m were massively decreased. I'd, I, I was getting weird thoughts. Things were not like, things were not normal, okay? And I understand why people want to smoke it. You know, it's a suppression, okay? It's like all the other stuff we have. It's like chocolate, it's like alcohol, it's like all those things in Willy Wonka's chocolate factory that we have available to us. They're plastering over the cracks of what's going on deep inside. It's plastering over the cracks of that inner child that's still crying out to be heard or the internal trauma that you need to deal with. It's not helping you. It's suppressing. There's a big difference. You may think it's helping, but it's suppression. And I tell you the other thing about weed. They want people smoking it, right? Why do you think that weed is being legalized across the world now, right? Two reasons. Firstly, they're going to genetically modify it. They're going to sell your ver their version of it, and it's going to genetically modify your DNA. So it's going to change who you are on a biological level, okay? That's the first reason. The second reason is because they know if everyone is stoned, there's not going to be any uprising. And I'm not an advocate of going out rioting. Wow, there's some really loud birds flying over my head. Wow, that's really intense. They, they know that, that people are not going to rise up because you don't function properly. You know, you don't. You're, you're out of it. Yeah, you're happy. You're, you're chilled. I mean, I used to love checking out. I used to put on, you know, my music. I used to check out. It was brilliant. And I still miss it to this day. And I'm... I, I get it, I understand it, but it affects your productivity. It can cause psychosis if you smoke it heavily day after day. It can cause psychosis and it can affect relationships. It can take you off your path, okay? It can stop you from going, reaching your highest potential, being the best version of you, okay? So, and, and that's without... Obviously, all the infiltration that can go up when you what can go on when you smoke it all the time. Okay, I'm not making this up, guys. This is personal experience, and like I say, it's through people that I've worked on. So. much respect to the narrator for his perspective and speaking out and calling out the deception in the so-called new age community because it is all tied to new world order government psyops you know they're they're going to alter and try to change as much as they can they're going to always find their way into every facet of our lives you know, and what stood out to me, what the brother said, I mean, a lot stood out to me, but immediately when he said, anytime you alter your consciousness or go outside of your center, both intentionally or, or unintentionally, you're potentially opening yourself up to potential distorted forms of consciousness. You know, and he had mentioned when you drop in vibration and you open yourself up, you begin to witness the bottom feeders of consciousness. 
you know, these entities that live in different realms. And I definitely know what he means by that because it's irrefutable at this point that there's entities that live amongst us. So, you know, you got to understand that these, if you want to call them Nephilim, if you want to call them Vril, if you want to call them Reptilians, if you want to call them the Jinn or the, the Watchmen, or, you know, it doesn't matter what terminology you use, the bloodlines, you got to understand that they harvest our energy in any way, shape, or form. They feed off of us, they're parasitical. So I definitely understand where he's coming from when he had mentioned that. And he had mentioned how these entities can give us anxiety and feed us negative thoughts and feelings along with a whole host of problems. And how it's not just weed and psychedelics, it's alcohol as well. You know, I thought it was brilliant when he mentioned, you know, why do they call them spirits? You know, they're telling you that you go out of your center when you get drunk. When you drink ethanol alcohol, I broke it down in the episode of drugs. I broke it down in the episode of poison as well. You have a, a spiritual possession when you drink alcohol. You're putting spirits in you, people. You know, the New Age movement 100% pushes the recreational use of psychedelics under the facade of spiritual learning and awakening. That's not what it's about at all. They'll give you love and light all day, right? Oh, worship this God. Oh, this chakra. Oh, the pineal gland. Da, 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 da. Yoga, yoga, yoga. All of these things they'll throw on you. But not once will they mention the creator. Not once will they mention trying to, you know, live from the earth and getting out of this system. Not many of them will even mention that. Some of them will, will tell you that you need to get cryptocurrencies. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you got to you got to be able to read in between the lines of these movements. I mean, think about all of these concert festivals, you know, that openly promote the use of psychedelics. You know, I, we already spoke about the topic of frequencies. In the episode of frequencies and we also spoke further about it in the episode of music so think about what type of frequencies they are putting onto the people at these festivals at these concerts and then one 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 festival that comes to mind is the festival burning man i remember one of my co-workers had broken it down when my old co-workers had broken down how he had gone to like burning man and all this stuff and like it was basically just depravity people having sex out in the open like on a, a plethora of drugs you know doing a bunch of you know witchcraft palm reading astrological all this stuff people it had nothing to do with you know all the people coming together and trying to heal past traumas you know trying to get insight trying to learn more healing properties of plants and all that as well as the importance of getting out of the matrix it just turned into a party of psychedelics and you best believe alcohol was definitely involved i wouldn't be surprised if there was alcohol at burning man you know these are these are festivals that they allow to happen you know you gotta think about it they it's a way to keep you entrapped in the system and I completely agree with the brother when he says psychedelics do not cancel out your past trauma at all. You know, you need to be the one who begins the process on your own. You need to know thyself and know the most high and understand that you have the power to heal yourself. You know, the brother in the video provided firsthand accounts about people's situations after taking strong psychedelics. You know, he mentioned the person who became suicidal after taking you know i don't know if it was ayahuasca or dmt but these are these are very very strong psychedelics people that in my personal opinion you better you have to be ready for them and you can't abuse them recreationally and you have to have the right people with you that understand it and not only that these have to be people of the creator not new age people and he had mentioned that you know the safest place is to stay within your consciousness 
he said if you stay there these entities and energies have harder time getting in and that's absolutely true you know that ever since i stopped drinking alcohol you know it's like my mind has been healing itself and it's so much stronger and i'm so much more confident in my own skin and i know myself it's like i can i can think of my destiny and like physically vision my destiny and what i need to do and i have no fear in this life i mean think about why the vast majority of the world is legitimately insane at this point because they allow these entities and the energies into their life and you know he had mentioned this this blew my mind when i heard it and because I, I don't really hear many people say this he said when you smoke weed you drop in vibration entities and negative energies come in and, he, and you know he said he's gone through some of this and you know just over the past like couple years the most i put it on my spirit to stop smoking weed I, I at first when I started doing it, I'm like, I don't know why I'm doing it. I always would tell myself if I went on a break or oh, I need to clear my head, you know, because if you're a long time smoker, you did you do you get that cloudiness. You start becoming, you know, in a sense, like very insecure and in your your sociable skill, your social skills can dwindle. I'm not saying all people who smoke weed are not social. Some people are just naturally social and they can be, you know, under the influence of, you know, smoking marijuana and be perfectly fine like socially but i had found myself i'd seen how it started affecting me in my mindset you know and he, he had it's definitely a band-aid over our inner child that needs healing and the internal traumas that continue the cycle of generational curses we never cure ourselves or heal ourselves people you know we are suppressing our feelings i 100 percent agree with him on that and my own wisdom, knowledge, and understanding made me realize, you know, this a long time ago. I'm so thankful that I stopped smoking weed. You know, think about what the brother just said. Why do you think they want us smoking it? Why did it all of a sudden, all of a sudden become legalized in many states and, you know, around the world? He had mentioned, number one, they gen genetically modified the weed. And I spoke about that in the episode of Drugs. All these dispensaries and all these governments are 100%, they're 100% government owned. You know, all this med medical marijuana, it's all chemicals. If you just look at how they grow the weed nowadays, people, it's all chemical-based. And he's number he's right. The second reason, they know if everyone is stoned, there's not going to be any uprising. No one's going to question anything. They're just going to be stagnant. And I definitely agree with him on what he says about smoking weed and what it does to us. And how it can cause psychosis after too much use. It can affect relationships and it can take us off our path. 100% agree with much respect to him on his honesty you know that's why i wanted to show all sides to the story of psychedelics i'm not at all promoting you just to go go run out and this is the be all end all no you need to know thyself you need to know the most high and you need to be ready if you're going to even consider it that's just my opinion and so let's transition over to another topic and this topic is going to be the propaganda used through the so-called war on drugs you know we got to be wise of these so-called faces of the psychedelic movements too because it was all a psyop according to the medicaldaily.com article entitled the war on drugs may have misrepresent misrepresented psychedelics here's why that matters written by stephanie cosman and published on may 13 2016 The word psychedelic can inspire visions of the 1960s. Hippies dancing in mud puddles at Woodstock and Grateful Dead groupies packed into Volkswagen buses. 
but psychedelics may not be as dangerous and addictive as our society thinks. Many of the negative perceptions we have of psychedelics can be traced back to their prohibition in the 1970s, when the, the war on drugs terminated all of the medical research being conducted on them. Nearly half a century has passed since then, and psychedelic research is only beginning to surge again. And you know, the reason why it's surging is because they, like the brother said, what they did with miracle, medical marijuana, they want to change it. You, you know, anytime the government wants to take something natural and then give it to you after it was once legal, you best believe it's altered. And so they break down various reasons as to why, you know, it matters. So number one, inconsistencies in drug scheduling. All legal and illicit drugs are categorized into five groups called schedules which are based on available medical uses and potential for abuse according to the drug enforcement administration DEA schedule 1 drugs are considered the most dangerous class of drugs with a high potential for abuse and potentially severe psychological and or physical dependence these drugs also have no currently accepted medical use. LSD, psilocybin, and MDMA are all placed in Schedule 1. However, many psychedelic experts agree that these substances are not addictive and have a low potential for abuse. In fact, they may just be the total opposite. The curious property of psychedelics is that they're anti-addictive. Dr. James Fadiman, author of the Psychedelic Explorer's Guide from Santa Cruz, California, told Medical Daily. Fadiman has been researching psychedelics since the 1960s and over the decades, he's observed that the drugs are difficult to abuse because they are incapable of producing psychoactive effects when used in succession. Meanwhile, many drugs that are widely regarded as extremely addictive or dangerous are placed in less restrictive schedules than psychedelics. Cocaine, for example, has been ranked by a panel of addiction experts as one of the most addictive drugs, yet it is placed in Schedule 2 along with methamphetamine. And all the way down on Schedule 4 is Xanax, a highly addictive Benzodiazepine frequently prescribed for anxiety disorders. So why are psychedelics classified as Schedule 1 if they have a lower potential for abuse than some Schedule 2 or Schedule 4 drugs? Terence Booz, chief of the DEA's drug and chemical evaluation sector, told Medical Daily, They are placed there because they do not have a medical use adding that this has been supported by ongoing research. However, the DEA did not provide any details regarding this research during an interview with four of the agency's members, nor did they respond to follow-up requests. The Food and Drug Administration, FDA, which oversees the research, told Medical Daily it would not make information regarding investigational new drugs available to the public. <laughs> you kidding me, people? So you take their word for it. We listen to them. We even get locked up by them, but they're not going to show us why they're telling this uh, us this. They're lying. You know, I definitely agree with the LSD and MDMA because it's, it's man-made, but the psilocybin, the mushrooms, absolutely not. Independent and small-scale research studies, however, 
have demonstrated that psychedelics can effectively treat mental health disorders like depression, anxiety, and PTSD. Moreover, the research often indicates that psychedelics can be even more effective than the medicines that are currently prescribed. For example, typical treatments for depression have been shown to fail in some instances among patients, but with psychedelics they'll respond well. In a study currently being conducted by the Berkeley Foundation, 12 people with treatment-resistant depression were relieved from their symptoms for months after receiving just a single dose of psilocybin. Antidepressants and benzodiazepines, the most common medications used to treat mental disorders, must also be taken daily and often over the course of a lifetime. Psychedelics, on the other hand, make long-lasting positive changes in the brain after as little as one dose. In 2011, John Hopkins University discovered that a single dose of psilocybin could make people more open-minded for up to a year. And in April, research directed by the Berkeley, the Beckley Foundation found that LSD creates more flexible patterns of thinking by increasing the communications between different brain networks. So, you know, they're, they're telling you even in, in like open that, hey, our, our prescription drugs are failing you. And, you know, these psychedelics seem to work, but, you know, we're still going to, you know, keep them illegal. You know, it's just it's just a game. It's an absolute game what they're doing to the people. They're hiding something from us. And think about what we listened to in the video before about how they went and visited the people that were healing themselves, you know, from, you know, peyote and morning glory and psilocybin, magic mushrooms. And they went back to the labs and basically put them in pill form. They, they, they know what they're doing, people. They know exactly what they're doing. And let's transition over to you know, arguably one of the, the most single-handedly evil attacks on the creation of the Most High. You know, once our so-called healthcare was changed to allopathic medicines and remedies, everything ultimately changed and chaos ensued. Now look around at the world right now. Look how sick the world is because of this so-called healthcare. And I've mentioned it over and over and over again. Healthcare is satanic. Allopathic healthcare is magic, it's witchcraft, and it's satanic. It breaks down the mind, the body, and the soul of those who partake in it and those entrusted in it. I have family members who have been on prescription meds for years, a decade even. Never gotten off of them, people. Do you think that's normal? Do you think that's really good for them? So we're going to transition over to an audio excerpt from the Dr. Nick Wilson video entitled How Rockefeller Founded Modern Medicine and Killed Natural Cures, published on June 12, 2021. Around the same time that John D. Rockefeller seized U.S. media, he also hijacked U.S. medicine. When it was discovered that drugs could be produced from petroleum, America's top oil mogul ordered his army of propagandists to invert reality accordingly. Medicines used for thousands of years were suddenly classified as alternative, while the new, petroleum-based, highly addictive, and patentable drugs were declared the gold standard. After buying a German pharmaceutical company that manufactured chemicals of war for Adolf Hitler, Rockefeller leveraged his political influence by pressing Congress to declare natural healing modalities. 
unscientific quackery. Rockefeller then took control of the American Medical Association and began offering massive grants to top medical schools under the mandate that only his approved curriculum be taught. Any mention of the healing powers of herbs, plants, and diet was erased from most medical textbooks. Doctors and professors who objected to Rockefeller's plan were crucified by the media, removed from the AMA, and stripped of their license to teach and practice medicine. Those who dared to speak out were arrested and jailed. When evidence began to emerge that petroleum-based medicines were causing cancer, Mr. Rockefeller founded the American Cancer Society through which he suppressed that information. John D. Rockefeller is duly credited as the founder of the pharmaceutical industry and the reason that medical error is currently the third leading cause of death in America. This is not an indictment against doctors. More than anyone, they are under the stranglehold of the single largest lobbying power in Washington. Every year, the pharmaceutical industry spends at least twice the amount as big oil to influence laws, policies, and public perception. Thanks to Mr. Rockefeller, the architect of American monopolies, no industry has more power over our lives than Big Pharma. And much respect to the narrator for you know his perspective as well as sharing some insight into the history and the deception of the so-called healthcare system and how things dramatically changed and in plain sight i'll tell you right now the average person does not even know that connection to the rockefeller and carnegie and how they changed you know allopathic medicine of course we know Rockefeller and Carnegie were just puppets. This was just actually the world governments doing it and using them as a front. But be that as it may, people still don't even know that. Even people, my whole entire, basically my whole entire family is in healthcare, right? Guarantee none of them even know about the Hippocratic Oath. None of them have even looked into what their hospitals are pushing on the people. At this point, I really believe that they're numb to death and chaos because that's all they've been around is magic and witchcraft in these hospitals in these nursing homes they're so used to a person popping a pill or a person taking antibiotics or a person taking a vaccine or a person having an unneeded surgery you know it, it's it's mind-boggling even when i have a conversation with my father it's like he'll t tell me all of these stories about you know my grandfather and how he was healing the people through plants and medicines and my my grandfather and my grandmother they didn't they didn't suffer the same type of health issues that my family does i have family that have had heart attacks strokes aneurysms you know high blood pressure dealing with weight issues weight fluctuations i've had you know I've, this is this has been my family and then they're in healthcare people think about that and my own grand my own grandpa and grandma on my dad's side right my great grandmother you know she lived to 110 in nigeria people in a so-called third world country no antibiotics no prescription meds no vaccines lived to 110 but i have family members who are in healthcare in a so-called developed nation that are on prescription meds and have had these ailments happen to them you think this what is that just coincidence people it's because everything has been perverted. Everything that has been natural has been destroyed, people. 
without a shadow of a doubt. And so let's take a look at the deception behind movements like the hippie movement in the 1960s and 1970s and how many of these faces of the so-called movement were controlled opposition. Like I said before, you got to understand that this was a controlled government controlled movement, no different than, you know, the civil rights movement or the feminist slash sexual, you know, revolution or sexual liberation. It's no different than LGBTQ. It's no different than Black Lives Matter. It's no different than the truckers convoy. It's no different than, oh, so-called anti-vaxxers, you know, pro-Trump. It's all created by them. So we're going to transition over to an audio. No, we're going to read an article from the last American vagabond.com entitled how the 1960s anti-war slash psychedelic hippie movement was created by military intel written by Anthony Tyler and published on May 20 of 2016. In a world full of corrupt and convoluted presidential elections, massive propaganda campaigns in the so-called entertainment industry, elitist networks of pedophilia that stem from the Vatican to the White House all the way to Hollywood, military intelligence being the biggest drug smellers on, on the planet, the Rockefeller slash Clinton stimu stimulated ufology community and a list that goes on and on and on. A researcher can never be too sure of the roots within their culture. When an individual slips down the rabbit hole of research, as the alternative independent media has grown so fond of saying, it is usually square one to understand that the mainstream media is corrupt and propagandized. However, what all too many researchers tend to do is stop at the uncovering of mainstream corruption for reasons that aren't a large stretch of the imagination. It is much less popular to scrutinize some of the scholars and icons of the classical American counterculture movement, specifically throughout the latter half of the 20th century. From people like Terence McKenna, who could be considered part of the aftermath of the, 19, of the 60s, Timothy Leary, R. Gordon Wasson, Albert Hoffman, and Aldous Huxley, to the entertainment industry of the, of the 60s, traditionally linked with CIA's project MKUltra, including Jim Morrison and the Doors, the Beatles, the Birds, Frank Zappa, Captain Beffhart, Steppenwolf, Buffalo Springfield, the Beach Boys, and so many more. A disappointment to so many. It is important to remember that the sickening feeling at seeing some of the greatest counterculture icons being assets for military intelligence is all part of the healing and detoxification process. Firstly, let's tackle the so-called scholars of the era, such as Timothy Leary and his cohorts like Richard Alpert, Aldous Huxley, and CI director at the time, who also played a, a networking role in the Kennedy assassination, Alan Dules. Also friends with Alan Dules was scholar of the classic theory of the Vedic Soma, being the Amadia Muscaria mushrooms, which is likely a false equivalency, and the theory of the Mazatec natives' use of psilocybin mushrooms in their spiritual rituals. While Wasson is still heralded by many scholars in the psychedelic field today, 
Some well-established yet little-known facts about the man were his friendships with Sigmund Freud's nephew and the father of American public relations propaganda, Edward Bernays. Wasson even worked his own propaganda during his time at J.P. Morgan Bank. So you hear that, people? All of these movements have been infiltrated. In 1957, an interview with Wasson was published in Life magazine about the psilocybin mushrooms and the Mazatec culture. And remember, that was what we had played in the video, the first video about, you know, them visiting, you know, the, these people, you know, who were using mushrooms and the Maria lady. The article continues with something that deeply catalyzed the underpinnings of the psychedelic hippie movement. Timothy Leary stated that this was the first place he had heard about the psychedelic mushroom, eventually trying peyote and then becoming known for LSD-25, which he helped the CIA distribute on mass scale. As researched by Jan Irvin of Gnostic Media, many Mastic natives highly dispute Wasson's interpretation of their use of the mushroom and state that the shamanic purposes were much more accurately characterized as therapy and medicine more so than overt spirituality which is what wasson's coin termed ethnogen inherently means and so that's what i said earlier like you know they'll tell you that oh you know these aztecs were practicing you know paganism and worshiping other deities da 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 but that's what they tell us that's what our western media tells us how do we know have you gone into these villages and talked to them have you have you seen them use, you know, these psychedelics for therapy and medicine? I mean, how do you know? These people were spiritual instead of religious. And they already told you in that video that they ultimately came up with what the Indian, the Native, like the Indian like church, the Native American church. And they started practicing Christianity. Come on, people. The article continued with, this is not to discredit ancient man's use of these medicines, but that the elitist scholars who propagated these ideas at the time were doing so with the intention of not enlightening the masses, but to provide opium for the masses, as the classic phrase goes. Yep. Hoffman as well, who worked closely with Wasson, raised his own red flag simply by association of research, and researchers like Irvin even made make a case that LSD-25 was being used by the government over 10 years before Hoffman's discovery. I definitely believe that. You know, anytime they tell you that they discovered something, best believe they've been had that out for a while. As an afterthought to this, even Terrence McKenna was openly funded by Lawrence Rockefeller throughout his career. The same Lawrence Rockefeller who also flooded the ufology community with his own funds in the 1990s in conjunction with the Clinton administration. And that's huge because McKenna is like worshipped by a lot of people. I know a lot of my friends who were heavy into psychedelics, heavy into trance music and house music and all that stuff. They would love Terrence McKenna. They had books. They they listened to audio podcasts. They watched documentaries. They we were being lied to, people. The author continues with, before moving on to the entertainment faculties of this military intelligence operation, it must be clarified what these scholars were actually inserting in between the lines of their research and philosophies. At this is a brief analysis of a very nuanced concept. It should not be taken as a blank statement. 
not all the people mentioned can be outright demonized per se but it also raises doubt that is well beyond reasonable suspicion if these people were not acutely aware of the roles they played then they have been some very very hollow puppets in the long run yet still this does not mean that all of their information should be tossed to the roadside instead it should be more heavily scrutinized to say the least and that's what i said about controlled opposition they will tell you truth and you know in plain sight but it's up to you to learn and read in between the lines it's really a game people the basic premise for the propagandized standpoint that these scholars took with the psychedelic ethnogen hippie culture was to get people using the substances improperly by the general public underestimating the substances the hippie culture immersed itself in these trance inducing psycho-projecting drugs without clearing their minds with shamanic es esoteric principles of natural law that had always been coupled with these substances up to that point this elitist spin on shamanic medicine characterized by the term ethnoogen is a false equation between psychedelic medicines and spirituality of course as history shows psychedelic medicines are used for psychological metaphysical-esque therapy and done right this is usually considered with a degree of unique spirituality but this does not make psychedelic psychedelics inherently spiritual in esoteric terms psychedelic substances can either be used to shed unwanted karma or a cure it this is why the cia con conducted such extensive research into psychedelics like lsd 25 because these substances are a two-way street in the largest sense psychedelics are merely psychic enhancers or as termed above psychic projectors they do not lead to any degree of enlightenment that is not being sought by the individual on some level before taking the substance and an individual with negative habits and incorrected thinking methods will see these bad habits li likewise enhance with psychedelics if they are not careful you know that's that's deep you know that's why i mentioned to be careful of you know these idols that they give to us because they definitely have led us astray that's why i spoke about in the episode of drugs that's why they gave you the reggae movement they gave you a bob marley a peter tosh you know all these reggae artists to smoke like every single big reggae artist almost every single one of them is a smoker constantly smoking and they do the same thing in hip-hop think about what they do in hip-hop you know it's no different than rock and roll and, and the hippie movement that they gave you with the lsd and all these other heavy drugs giving you you know your Jimi hendrixes and all these entities they definitely needed to come in and pervert everything from us people make no mistake it's it's a well thought out well executed plan by them it really is and so i wanted to shed light on that it might piss people off but hey it is what it is you got to let go of these idols if you really want to grow all of that enlightenment all of that you know benefiting and healing your own traumas that should come from within it should never be external yes you can use psychedelics to help you but you a you must respect them and b you must know what you're using them for and c you must be ready that's just my opinion you don't need to listen to me i'm not telling you what to do it's just my insight it's just food for thought so let's transition over to what 
our government and so-called experts, leaders, and scientists and healthcare professionals have been hiding from humanity. You know, we need to start thinking for ourselves and get back to naturality, to the nature. The Most High gave us everything we need to survive on this earth, 100%. So we're going to transition over to an audio excerpt from the Reset.me video entitled, How Psychedelics Are Saving Lives, published on May 1st, 2014. What if most of what you've been told in the media about psychedelics is wrong? Have we been misled about the medicinal properties of psychedelics just like we were misled about medicinal marijuana? More than 40 years ago, governments worldwide made psychedelics illegal, calling them dangerous drugs. But the most dangerous drugs on earth are alcohol and nicotine, and both are legal. The law is not based on science. For thousands of years, native cultures have used psychedelics not as drugs, but as medicines. And science is on their side. Numerous studies show that psychedelics are not neurotoxic, they're non-addictive, and they have the power to cure even the most stubborn cases of anxiety, depression, addiction, and post-traumatic stress disorder. When people with treatment-resistant PTSD were given the psychedelic MDMA combined with psychotherapy, 83% were cured. Compare that to just 25% with psychotherapy alone. With 22 veterans a day committing suicide in the U.S., it's vital this medicine is made available to the public. The caffeine in your coffee is more toxic on your body than psilocybin mushrooms. The science shows these non-addictive substances actually slow down activity in areas of the brain overactive in people with depression. In one study by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, 80% of subjects who were given psilocybin said the experience increased their sense of well-being and life satisfaction, and 30% called it the single most important experience of their lives. Psilocybin has cured anxiety, depression, cluster headaches, and smoking addictions. One study from the University of Southern Florida found psilocybin may even lead to neurogenesis, or the regrowth of brain cells. In the 1950s, doctors in Canada used LSD to cure alcoholism with a 45% success rate. Even Bill Wilson, who founded Alcoholics Anonymous, used LSD to cure his debilitating depression. Wilson unsuccessfully tried to get LSD added to the 12-step program, saying its ability to spark introspection and spirituality was the essential first step. And a recent study shows LSD significantly reduced anxiety in people with terminal illness. A study finds long-term use of the psychoactive cactus peyote does not cause cognitive or psychological harm. Peyote use is legal in six states across the U.S. and Native Americans have consumed the plant for hundreds of years to connect with a deep sense of spirituality. DMT, or dimethyltryptamine, is a psychedelic compound produced profusely in nature and even inside the human brain. In one study, Dr. Rick Strassman proved DMT can be safely given to people. 
Those who participated in Strassman's study reported having intense spiritual experiences and communicating with a higher intelligence while on DMT. Ibogaine is derived from a West African shrub and it's known for helping people kick stubborn heroin and prescription pill addictions without experiencing withdrawal. The science shows long-term drinkers of the Amazonian psychedelic brew ayahuasca have increased levels of serotonin. That's the brain chemical that regulates happiness. And ritual ayahuasca drinkers are less likely to have addictions. Western medicine tends to just treat symptoms, ignoring the root cause of many illnesses, trauma. We've all had trauma, and when we don't process it and purge it from our minds, trauma manifests itself in our bodies as unexplained pain, sickness, depression, anxiety, PTSD, cancer, the list goes on and on. When taken with the right mindset in a safe setting, psychedelics can heal trauma. When people consume these medicines, they enter a dreamlike state where a lifetime of traumatic memories are unlocked and processed, detaching the fear and emotion from the memories and creating new neural pathways. Some describe psychedelics as 30 years of therapy in one night. One of the greatest human rights tragedies of this century is that the general population does not have access to these medicines. Journalist Graham Hancock noted, quote, at the deepest level, our consciousness is what we are. To the extent that if we are not sovereign over our own consciousness, then we cannot, in any meaningful sense, be sovereign over anything else either. Psychedelics are empowering. They put the power back into your hands and show you you can heal yourself from within. No, much respect to the narrator for her detailed breakdown. And I absolutely agree. We have been misled about psychedelics. And I absolutely agree again, the most dangerous drugs are, without a shadow of a doubt, alcohol and nicotine. And we don't need to rely on any so-called science, people. Because real science, you know, they have to give you another term and make something natural and turn it, you know, unnatural. Real science is the natural ways of our creator, the Most High. And the media has done an excellent job of brainwashing the masses into being fearful of naturally occurring psychedelics. You know, by labeling them as neurotoxic, it creates an instant fear in the majority of the masses. So imagine that they call it neurotoxic, the people get scared, but then they give you alcohol, tobacco, and prescription drugs. You know, and the fact of the matter of all these studies, even studies from John Hopkins University, people, you can actually look this up, Beckley University. These universities are telling you in plain sight because, like, again, we, we understand the law of universal karmic responsibility. These entities have to tell you the truth in plain sight. So one, stream media, one mainstream media might be saying something while they're saying the, uh, the complete opposite, but, you know, they're not going to shine much light on that. You have to actually look for it. It's, it's, it's that deep. You know, they've been proven 
to be non-addictive and i'm only talking about the natural ones i'm not i'm not in support of lsd or mdma maybe i'm incorrect and i maybe there are natural components to it but my research has shown me that they're not so if anybody is aware that they are please message me please let me know I, i'm all about being corrected if i'm wrong but my 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 gut is telling me that they're not natural you know but it's interesting how they mentioned that they've these psychedelics have been proven to be non-addictive compared to alcohol tobacco you know yes anyone can get addicted to something but when it is natural it is that much more difficult and that's what the brother spoke about you know about the the dark side of cannabis and psychedelics is people will try to use it as a band-aid you know they have all of this trauma and they think that the psychedelics are, are, is going to be what heals them no the psychedelics are just a helpful aid to give us a different perspective to allow us to go inside and be able to, like the the narrator the lady just said allow us to actually go within ourselves and heal and get past the fear of you know these past traumas because that's really what it is that's why so many people run from their past it's because they're fearful of facing those traumas so they suppress it with alcohol with drugs with promiscuity with escapism with all these distractions and these psychedelics once you're ready and once you really are trying to heal they can help you face those fears and purge them out of your mind body and soul of course you're always going to have trauma and remember it but think about being able to rise up above that and your trauma doesn't define you it doesn't hold you hostage you know and they're mentioning out in the open you know psychedelics are known to help cure anxiety depression addiction cluster headaches smoking addictions and ptsd so do we really think that big pharma and the government want this known to the world you know and it's interesting how she had mentioned how caffeine is more toxic for the body than psilocybin i mean it's, it's crazy and then mentioning how psilocybin can lead to neurogenesis or the regrowth of brain cells so basically you reheal yourself and you move on you know imagine what peyote you know mushrooms and dmt can do for humanity if we learn from those living closer to nature and that's not even taking into account all the other psychedelics if you just go to the website arrowhead.com you can do your own research i used to spend hours upon hours on the website of arrowhead.com because even back in high school i was making sure i knew what i was doing before i took these things before i took morning glories i researched them before i took mushrooms i researched them before i took any of this stuff i researched them only thing I didn't really research was the alcohol and the smoking of weed and pills. I should have, but at least I had the foresight to look into the psychedelics. You know, that's how brainwashed we are. We think because it's legal that it's right and it's good for it's okay. You know, just you know, just have it in moderation when that's not the case. You know, you got to think, why would the government want you knowing this? Why would the healthcare industry want you knowing this if you could naturally heal yourself from something that grew in the ground? Like they said, they can't patent nature. Even the Rockefeller history tells you that they knew they couldn't patent nature. So you think they want you healing yourself from nature when they can keep you in a perpetual hamster wheel or a carousel of, of, of sickness? And all they do is treat your sickness, put a band-aid over your sickness? Why do you think, you know the big pharma is so big and then why do you think mental health is so big right now they just they just want to control you they want to destroy you they don't want you to be able to heal yourself you know and it's interesting how she had mentioned how ibogaine was known to cure severe addictions to pills and not including any withdrawal sy symptoms like these pills would do 
and how ayahuasca was known to help increase levels of serotonin. And we already know that serotonin is destroyed through alcohol use and abuse, synthetic drug use and abuse, prescription medication use and abuse. And, you know, not to mention this GMO world we live in, the food we eat, the water we drink, the air we breathe, the soil, everything. I mean, do you really think these entities want you to be able to naturally boost your happiness from the earth directly? Because once you, we realize and tap into that, that means we can actually put the power back in our hands. We start realizing, hey, wait a minute, why do we even have a government? Why do we even have their indoctrination systems? Why do we even listen to their cube and their experts and their leaders and these idols? You got to understand that Babylon is traumatic on purpose. Babylon decreases our quality of life, our happiness, our health, our you know our ability to spend time with family and our life expectancy and so many other things I'm not mentioning. And even you know the narrator mentioned how trauma causes unexplained pain, sickness, depression, anxiety, PTSD and cancer and a plethora of other issues. You really think they don't know this? It's, it's all big business. It's all, they don't, I mean, it's not even so much about the money because money's for us. Money keeps us in the rat race. So they have to take our money and keep us perpetually in the rat race just to survive. But it's just about at harvesting our energy and keeping us in the same exact loop. And I absolutely agree. These are not to be abused. And you should always have someone you trust with you and even better, someone who's experienced. I mean, I imagine... If we get to a world where we could all take care of our traumas naturally and a lifetime of traumas can be unlocked and we can begin to face them and begin the healing process. Just imagine, because I know too many people who are suffering in silence and too many people who openly suffering out loud. Every single person I know is suffering from trauma. Every single person in my life is. I know that for a fact because I am in myself. I'm not above anyone. I have my own issues that I'm, I'm dealing with and getting through and healing, but luckily I've spent the last decade of my life doing so, whereas a lot of adults haven't even started. And think about where we are in the world in the end times. It's pretty scary, people. It's pretty scary, you know, realization. I mean, the government needs to be 100% abolished. You know, and I liked, you know, the quote that, sh that the, the narrator included. Our consciousness is what we are, to the extent that if we are not sovereign over our own consciousness, then we cannot in any meaningful sense be sovereign over anything else either. And that was an end quote from Graham Hancock, author of Psychedelic Journalist. And I like how the narrator mentioned, psychedelics are empowering. They put the power back into your hands and show you, you can heal yourself from within. Absolutely agree. You know, it, it's, it's crazy people. It, it's upsetting to me. I'm not going to lie. I'm sick of this, this reality. I'm sick of these entities. I really am. I'm sick of them destroying our lives, our children's lives, our future generation, my parents' lives, their parents' lives. I'm sick of it, man. That's why I do what I do to try to help people. Because I know I'm not going to be living like this forever. I'm going to be out of the system very soon. Whether I go solo dolo or not, it doesn't matter. I'm not staying on a sinking ship. And let's transition over to the bitter truth behind the wicked deception of prescription drugs and the harm they do on humanity. You know, how we are being treated like lab rats in plain sight. 
you know we see it all the time i spoke on in the episode of drugs i played a small audio segment from just a commercial with all of the adverse reactions to you know these prescription meds these antidepressant meds these psychotropic drugs but yet they're they're propagandized on television you'll never see a commercial talking to you about you know psychedelics and you know ask your doctor about psychedelics you think you'll ever see that there's absolutely no way and there's a reason behind that people think about all the prescription drugs and that are killing the people but pushed onto the masses and open in broad daylight so we're going to transition over to an audio excerpt from the connor glassy video entitled prescription drugs side effects compilation published on march 19 2020 Some people have had changes in behavior, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, and suicidal thoughts or actions while taking or after stopping chantings. If you notice agitation, hostility, depression, or changes in behavior, thinking, or mood that are not typical for you, or if you develop suicidal thoughts or actions, stop taking chantings and call your doctor right away. Talk to your doctor about any history of depression or other mental health problems, which can get worse while taking chantings. Some people can have allergic or serious skin reactions to chantings, some of which can be life-threatening. If you notice swelling of face, mouth, throat, or a rash, stop taking Chantix and see your doctor right away. Tell your doctor which medicines you're taking as they may work differently when you quit smoking. Chantix dosing may be different if you have kidney problems. The most common side effect is nausea. Patients also reported trouble sleeping and vivid unusual or strange dreams. Until you know how Chantix may affect you, use caution when driving or operating machinery. Chantix should not be taken with other quit smoking products. Call your doctor if you have high fever, stiff muscles, and confusion to address a possible life-threatening condition, or if you have uncontrollable muscle movements, as these could become permanent. High blood sugar has been reported with Abilify and medicines like it. In some cases, extreme high blood sugar can lead to coma or death. Other risks include decreases in white blood cells, which can be serious, dizziness upon standing, seizures, trouble swallowing, and impaired judgment or motor skills. Use of benzoyl peroxide with Axone Gel may cause your skin to temporarily turn yellow or orange at the site of application. The most common side effects with Axone Gel are dryness, redness, oiliness, and peeling of treated skin. Don't take Amatease if you've ever had a bowel obstruction or have severe diarrhea. Women of childbearing age should have a negative pregnancy test and practice effective birth control due to the potential risk to the fetus. Talk to your doctor to evaluate the risks. In clinical studies, the most common side effects were nausea, diarrhea, and headache. Tell your doctor if you experience severe diarrhea or severe nausea. Paracept is well tolerated, but not for everyone. People at risk for stomach ulcers or who take certain other medicines should tell their doctors because serious stomach problems such as bleeding may get worse. Some people may experience fainting. Some people may have nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, bruising, or not sleep well. Some people may have muscle cramps or loss of appetite or may feel tired. In studies, these were usually mild and temporary. Mom, do not take Balsamra if you have narcolepsy. When taking Balsamra, don't drive or operate heavy machinery until you feel fully awake. Walking, eating, driving, or engaging in other activities while asleep, without remembering it the next day, have been reported. Balsamra should not be taken together with alcohol. Abnormal behaviors may include aggressiveness, confusion, agitation, or hallucinations. The temporary inability to move while falling asleep or waking up and temporary leg weakness have also been reported. In depressed patients, worsening depression, including risk of suicide, may occur. Alcohol may increase these risks. Side effects include next day drowsiness. 
I mean, there you have it, people. That's your healthcare system. That's your big pharma. That's your so-called experts, leaders, doctors, nurses, scientists. You know, the ones that say they care for you, right? They're, they've been poisoning you and altering you from the beginning, all of us. Antibiotics, prescription medications, flu shots, you know, allergy shots, vaccination schedules. All of that is all demonic and it destroys the human being. And I definitely believe it alters our ability to even connect with, with, you know, the most high and connect with ourselves. It definitely does something to our body. It's altering our genes. It's altering how we were made, people. We got we to gotta start being honest with ourselves. I mean, think about how many, you know, side effects we heard. You know, I don't even have to go through the list. You heard. It's, it's absurd that that's pushed on TV along with commercials for alcohol use and tobacco use if you don't if you can't even tie those like these things together that this world is satanic then there's no hope for you you love wickedness you love this system and you're going to go down with this system that's just that's just the truth people don't want to hear the truth that's too bad i'm going to still speak it you know it's just it's just pathetic that we change we traded in natural remedies and you best believe i'm going to get more into the herb side and the you know botany side and all of that side versus just psychedelics i'm not going to just leave it at psychedelics there's more to the story that they don't want us to know and let's take a look at the connection to nature that we are basically missing out on the vast majority of people have no connection to nature and we need to start asking why we aren't connected to nature how do psychedelics help us reconnect to nature these are questions that we should start asking and we're going to transition over to an audio excerpt from the Dreaming Jaguars video entitled Psychedelics and Nature, published on August 13, 2020. I wanted to shoot this video this morning uh, with regards to the psychedelics because I've just shot some amazing footage um, along the river and you know it's kind of it kind of puts into perspective you know the piss arsing around that we do as people the distractions that are put in front of us when we should be just becoming and being part of nature um, yeah I mean it's beautiful it's beautiful here and I've always had a deep connection to nature I feel like I have a deep connection to nature and I feel like I've lost my way a little bit with it um, recently one thing you know or another is kind of I don't know, we're meant to be, you know, clean living creatures um, that sort of merge with the system and when you walk along where I, have, where I am, you know, first light, it's, 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 it's awe inspiring, it's absolutely beautiful kind of become, I kind of, 
sort of get back to feeling that bond um, between man and nature and it's, it's, it's beautiful and I'm hoping that you know the psychedelics and the psychedelic um, revolution for want of a better word renaissance takes us back to that place because that's where we are and where we should be and not nothing else matters you know nothing matters everything's bullshit everything that we do everything that our governments sort of put forward to us and the way we're bombarded with um, advertising and just it's just bollocks it's not real and this is real this this spot right here is real this be our swan focus I should think well out of focus so yeah it's um, it's an eye opener it's an eye opener you know Justin and I put a lot of work into these videos but yeah we're still we still got to fight the system to get there and I'm tired of fighting it I'm tired of fuck arsing around and time just disappears and it's it's almost like it's like it's meant to, like we know. And that's how these people want us to live. They want us to be dumbed down and blinded by what actually is important. It's a difficult one to get around. Very difficult. But the psychedelic experience does take you back to that, takes you back to that that place of sort of raw humanity really. And why would it give you a um, you know why would it give you a a, a a newfound appreciation for the natural world if it wasn't intrinsically linked? to the natural world and obviously you know it is intrinsically linked to the natural world from a chemical perspective diethyltryptamine and you know um, 2 hydroxy dimethyltryptamine I think is, is um, psilocybin um, and these things come from nature so they are part of nature and that that is important it's important important so yeah that's a contemplative contemplative one
from me today. Much respect to the brother on his perspective of nature and psychedelics. I highly recommend checking out some of his videos. He has incredible cinematography out in nature and exploring the use of psychedelics and our connection to nature. And I 100% agree that our reality is 100% unnatural and genetically modified in that we were meant to be one with nature and how we've lost our alignment and connection to nature, therefore losing our connection to ourselves in the Most High. And he's absolutely right. This Babylonian worldwide system reality is not real. You know, ever since I began to reconnect with nature over the last few years, my entire life has changed. And even when first time I ever took psychedelics, you know, I was with three trusted individuals who, you know, I have much love for and who always were there for me. And we went and three of us were on psychedelics, so myself and two friends, and then we had one friend sober ride us, and we drove up the North Shore of Duluth. We spent a whole day, I think we woke up at like, on a weekend at like 7, 8 a.m., took them, drove up the North Shore, went to different state parks, walked around in nature, listened to calming music, healing music, had a nice meal, and then came back, and it was such a peaceful journey. And then just being able to have those long conversations with them and share our experiences. It was something I'll never forget. Just being connected and just feeling the water and feeling the sand and the rocks and just looking at the scenery. It just does something to you. You know, and I know it's it's almost time for me to reconnect with psychedelics. I do know that. You know, and my plan is I will go somewhere in nature and do it. Whether that's with by by myself and having my my lady shadow me or if it's with her and i together and we have somebody else shadow us you know it's gonna happen and i completely agree with the brother we are all tired of fighting the satanic system but we have to you know we have to keep continue to stay focused and think about our our children and our future generations you know you know, the amount of distractions going on in the world is almost too much for the average person to comprehend. It really is. So kudos to him on his perspective. And, you know, I want to get into the importance of recognizing natural ver psychedelics versus synthetic psychedelics because it's very important. So we're going to transition. So we're going to transition over to the article from the psychedelic passage com and the article is entitled what differentiates natural and synthetic psychedelics written by jimmy nugan and published on september 20 2020 psychedelics tend to get an undeserved reputation as a useless class of designer or party drugs while it's true that psychedelic compounds like lsd and mdma were initially synthesized in laboratory settings Others like psilocybin and mescaline are derived from plants and have been used medicinally for millennia. There are differences between natural and synthetic psychedelics, of course, but perhaps not in the ways we tend to assume. You might be wondering if their chemical action is similar. What differentiates natural from synthetic psychedelics? Is one better than the other for therapeutic use? Is one type safer than the other? Defining natural, since much of our discussion hinges on the distinction between natural and synthetic psychedelics, it's important to be specific from the start. 
Natural is a term that gets bandied around quite a bit today, often in a way that's misleading or even outright disingenuous. I mean, it's completely true. Think about on food labels. They'll say natural ingredients and completely lie to you when it's GMO the whole time. This is partly due to the fact that there is no legal definition of natural or all natural, allowing advertisers to subtly manipulate a perception of natural products and ingredients. The dictionary defines natural as existing in or caused by nature, not made or caused by mankind. In this loose definition, we can see pretty quickly that natural doesn't necessarily mean beneficial. A plant named belladonna, for instance, fits this definition, but is highly toxic to humans and many animals. It's important to understand that natural doesn't inherently mean better, and that's absolutely true. For the purpose of our discussion here, natural psychedelics are those derived from plants. This includes ethnogens like ayahuasca, which is made with the combined products of multiple plants or plant-based ingredients. Synthetic psychedelics, on the other hand, are those that have been created or synthesized in a controlled setting. This setting might be a laboratory or a clinical practice, but it is not always the case. So you hear that, people? That's why I've been harping on them. Before we go further, it's important to note that there are three categories of both natural and synthetic psychedelics. Sero Serotonergenic psychedelics produce their effects by engaging with the brain's serotonin receptors. Empathogens, also sometimes called entactogens, improve our ability to form interpersonal connections. Disassociatives pr produce an effect that allows us to shift our perspectives outside of ourselves, broadening our understanding and consciousness. For a more in-depth look, check out our article on how psychedelics work in the brain. You know, that's interesting, you know, how they're breaking it down, the different types of psychedelics, too. You know, it goes deep. That's why I really want to do my research, and I recommend you do it as well before you even think to use them, because there is a lot of deception. Types of natural psychedelics. Natural psychedelics include plant-derived ethnogens like mescaline or peyote, psilocybin, ayahuasca, and some forms of DMT. These compounds differ from one another in both structure and origin but share key elements that allow them to behave similarly in the brain. Each of these compounds, like most natural psychedelics, engage with the brain's serotonin receptors. There are thousands of different plants and fungi that produce psychedelic compounds. There's even a spice, spice, species of toad whose skin secretions contain a form of DMT called 5-MeO-DMT. The sources of psychedelics can vary quite greatly from fungi to shrubs and even roots for example there are 200 fungi species that contain psilocybin the hallucinogenic compound and are collectively known as magic mushrooms and the following is a very abbreviated list of the most well-known natural psychedelics in america so number one mescaline number two ayahuasca number three psilocybin and then it, types, it talks about types of synthetic psychedelics. Unlike natural psychedelics, synthetic psychedelics are produced by human efforts in a controlled or semi-controlled setting. 
Synthetic psychedelics include compounds like LSD, MDMA, and ketamine, among others. So LS, number one, LSD, number two, MDMA, ketamine. So, you know, it's important that we know this. I just wanted to bring this into context so that there's no confusion. And I'm not going to tell you what to do, like plain and simple. If you want to take LSD or MDMA, it's, it's up to you. It's your body. But I'm breaking down why it's synthetic. And if you've been following the Narrow Path of the Righteous podcast, you know that we say all chemicals cause a chemical reaction and they harm us. So we have to keep that in mind. You know, it, it's, it's really deep. It's really, really deep. So let's transition over to another topic. And let's picture in our minds the various big pharma prescription drugs catered to the masses and how they continually are proven to destroy people and worsen their situations in life. Now picture the power of naturally occurring psilocybin and how countless anecdotal evidence proves it genuinely helps people. So we're going to transition over to an audio excerpt from the NGKMPR video entitled Psilocybin Research with Depression Patients, English with a German Sub, published on October 4, 2012. These compounds were so demonized. The whole area was so discredited that we had this phenomenon in which for, you know, better than 30 years, uh, the consensus opinion was this research was too dangerous or too edgy to be done. We started our work with psilocybin in about 2000. It was difficult, but we got approved. People who are eligible for our trial are people who have anxiety and or depression secondary to their cancer diagnosis. And they are struggling with these existential questions of life and death and their own psychological discomfort. They go through two days of screening in which they receive a physical exam, extensive uh, psychiatric and psychological testing. So after preparation, the volunteers schedule for their psilocybin sessions. What we would want and hope for them is that they have an experience that's uplifting and alters their perceptual set in a way that makes uh, the remainder of their life and their uh, struggle with their disease process uh, something that's really quite manageable for them. The prognosis was very poor. There were so many treatments, and since I have a scientific background, I got very preoccupied with researching everything, you know, micromanaging. And um, <clears throat> so my life just kind of 
got narrower and narrower. I got more exclusively focused on the cancer. And uh, uh, I uh, became more withdrawn. Uh, finally, my uh, daughter and friends uh, sort of told me that I needed to do something. But I had no previous experience with uh, uh, psychedelics, so I didn't know what to expect exactly. this is for you a high proportion of volunteers have what's called a primary mystical type experience and they're absolutely sure that this experience is more real than everyday waking reality and it's that element I believe that imprints this experience into people's consciousness in a way that has huge value going forward. The beginning of the okay. effects start in about 10 minutes. And it's um, like your brain is going offline, you know, one part at a time. And I tell people the story to make it a little clearer, since I do a lot of sailing. If you're out in the open ocean and you were to fall off your boat, you turn around and the boat's gone, and then pretty soon the water's gone, and then you're gone. You don't have any sense of self anymore. Okay. Good. Is that comfortable? That's good. Okay. I'll put some headphones on you. Okay. Okay. And remember to let us know how the volume is if you want it higher or lower. Okay. For the first hour and a half, it was pretty frightening because I was fighting it. I was resisting. I wanted to open my eyes and make things snap back into place. If the, I didn't have the help of the people there, I would have left the room and tried to walk around and get things to focus back in again, you know, to look familiar again. So the uh, supervision, I think, is very important. After about an hour and a half, I calmed down. At one point, I thought I might be in a cathedral, and uh, I thought that it might be a good chance to talk with God. <laughs> so I, you know, just in my mind, I said, well, you know, if there was ever a good time, this is it. So, you know, talk to me. <laughs> and nothing happened. I did it again, and nothing happened. There was just an experience of familiarity or tranquility. And uh, during that time, I could pull up past relationships or current relationships and look at them in great detail. And um, uh, um, it was as if I was... Um, Sorry.
the depression itself lifted. I might fall into a depression, but I can pull myself out of it pretty easily. It fundamentally changes the way you approach the world, so you're, you're opening out instead of narrowing down into a negative spiral. It's almost unbelievable that after one day, and not any follow-up medications or anything, that this could happen. You know, we would be wise to understand how natural healing properties of this world have been destroyed, have been made illegal, have been hidden from humanity, how they've been demonized, weaponized. You know, this gentleman in the video, you listen to if you watch the video, you know, this man looked like he was emotionally up to his neck in stress in fear his fear was controlling and limiting his life i mean how many people do you know like that brothers and sisters how many people do we know that are are dependent on alcohol or antidepressants or drugs or any other form of escapism and they develop further addictions and spiral further and further down into despair oftentimes leading to suicide oftentimes leading to hurting others or hurting themselves in various ways because they don't know how to cope you know it was interesting how you know he had mentioned in quote you know the depression itself lifted he said he might fall into a depression but i can pull myself out of it pretty easy i mean think about that confidence that a person could obtain you know think about how many people taking antidepressants can say this confidently the people taking lexapro zoloft prozac Efficor, xr paxel cr do you think they can all say that confidently or would they panic if they didn't have access to their drugs you know and he said something else that was profound you know his time with psilocybin fundamentally changes the way you approach the world so you're opening out instead of narrowing down into a negative spiral do you think these bloodlines these elites the ones that control the world want you to be able to do that to be able to lift yourself up to empower yourself to go internal instead of external to go natural instead of synthetic i mean we got to ask these type of questions you know and what i want us to be aware of is you know, anytime something like this picks up steam where people are actually curing, you know, humanity from traumas, you know, past pains, all, you know, anytime you start seeing that and you start seeing success, you're going to see those individuals demonized. You're going to see new laws or requirements put up so that they can't continue to help assist other people. That's all you're going to see. And we're already starting to see mainstream media and mainstream so-called healthcare and scientists creep their ways into the psychedelic communities and we must be aware of the deception behind that <laughs> 
you know, why why am I finding an article from the one zero dot medium dot com entitled Synthetic Psychedelics May Soon Replace Your Shrooms? What do you think they're trying to do, people? Synthetic psychedelics. So they're gonna continue to give you the LSDs, you know, the MDMAs, you know, they're gonna give you probably give you ketamine. They're gonna, you know, try to give you all the you know, two CBs. They're gonna try to replace that. They'll even get to the point where just like fake weed. They're gonna give you some form of, you know, mushrooms that you can go to the store. And I wouldn't be surprised if they already have this, you know, available. But they're gonna give you some sort of psilocybin that, you know, has no connection to naturally occurring. And we already know what that means. We already know how that creates further issues with the body, mind, and soul. And let's let's transition over to how they are using a lot of these psychedelics you know through the mainstream media to basically experiment on people you know in terms of using these synthetic psychedelics you already know my stance on synthetic psychedelics i don't would never touch them with a 10-foot pole but anything that comes from the ground i would rather learn from the per- the people who've lived with it for hundreds of years who who've been healed from it the ones who you know eat from the ground eat from you know the creation the ones who actually understand creation rather than somebody in a lab coat that's just my take everybody can have their own opinion it's your free will so we're going to transition over to an audio excerpt from the cbsnews.com video entitled new hope in treating ptsd with psychedelic drugs Published on November 14, 2021. Here's something you probably don't know. As many as one in five veterans suffers from PTSD. Post-traumatic stress disorder is a leading cause of suicide among vets. But David Martin has word of a surprising treatment that could lead them out of the dark. I stabbed myself in the neck and the wrist uh, with a knife and um, I just wanted the pain to stop. A series of Pulitzer Prize winning photographs captured the agony of former Marine Scott Ostrom, his life overwhelmed by PTSD after two tours in Iraq. Twelve years of nightmares, panic attacks and failed relationships, a danger not only to himself but to others. Deep down, I was angry, so really, I, I think I was just looking for a fight. What were you angry about? I was angry with myself. I felt guilty for some of the things that I failed to do when I was overseas. Failed to do? How? I watched my friend burn alive inside of a Humvee, and the fire was too hot, and I couldn't get to him, so um, I felt like I needed to be punished for that. You're being haunted by your, a memory of something that happened to you. Rachel Yehuda of Mount Sinai Hospital in New York has spent 30 years working with veterans and other victims of PTSD. The standard treatment for PTSD has been um, psychotherapy, and there are two uh, medications that are FDA approved for the treatment of PTSD, both of which are antidepressants. How effective is the treatment? These treatments tend not to really solve the problem for most people, but they are better than nothing. 
Desperate for relief, Scott Ostrom answered a Facebook ad seeking volunteers for an FDA-approved trial using a psychedelic drug called MDMA, better known by its street name, Ecstasy. It really did change my life. Come on, buddy. In a short period of time, in six months. When I first heard about this, I thought to myself, how could this possibly be a good idea? Psychedelics were illegal and designated by our government as being of potential harm and no medical benefit. Then at the annual Burning Man Festival in Nevada, she met Rick Doblin. I knew that MDMA was great for PTSD in 1984. Doblin heads a psychedelic research organization called MAPS and for decades has been fighting laws which made psychedelics illegal. When we think now about how many people over the last 50 years could have been saved from suicide or depression if the research hadn't been shut down, it's a tragedy. It was not until 2016 that the Food and Drug Administration authorized phase three trials for MDMA. The same kind of phase three trials COVID vaccines went through to prove they are safe and effective. The results from the latest phase three trial of MDMA were just astounding. So these studies, have they produced specific results? Two-thirds of the people that were treated with a course of MDMA no longer have PTSD. Would you call this a breakthrough? I would absolutely call this a breakthrough. What does the FDA think? They've designated MDMA-assisted psychotherapy as a breakthrough approach. What does that mean in terms of what you can do now? Well, it doesn't mean you can start taking MDMA on your own. It means that the data are so good that let's get this on a fast track for approval. But life on that fast track costs money. The biggest obstacle really for us was raising the funds to do the research because the pharmaceutical companies were not interested, the major uh, foundations were not interested, it was all too controversial. Thank you. Enter Bob Parsons, a maverick billionaire who first took psychedelics three years ago. How much of a difference did psychedelics make in your life? The quality of my life has increased immeasurably. Never a good student, Parsons joined the Marines at 17 and was sent to Vietnam. A month later, he was wounded. This is a picture of me in the um, field hospital. It was the last he saw of combat, but the war continued to haunt him. I was a completely different guy that came home than the guy that left. The guy that came home, uh, he, um, he had a short temper, never felt like he belonged no matter where he was or who he was with. Was it getting better? Was it getting worse? I believe it was getting worse. Mm -hmm. Somebody would ask me if I served in Vietnam, I'd start crying. Parsons made his fortune from GoDaddy. GoDaddy.com. An internet company which he turned into must-see TV with risque Super Bowl ads. Now you're a billionaire. What are you going to do with all that money? I'm going to do what I can to get psychedelics approved for therapeutic use. Parsons has donated more than $7 million to psychedelic research. Under the influence of MDMA, Scott Ostrom was able to actually visualize his inner demons. This spinning black ball started to open itself up to me in different layers, like an onion. And then each layer um, revealed like a new memory. And it was almost like the layers were just opening and opening and opening. At the center, he found a part of him he calls the bully. It was 
a, a terribly frightening creature. The bully is basically the person you had to become in order to survive two tours in Iraq. That's right. That's who the Marine Corps trains you to be, a fighter and a killer. And that's who I had to become to survive those deployments. With the aid of two psychotherapists, he was able to come to terms with it. After those three MDMA sessions, I haven't had a nightmare about the war since. Do you suffer panic attacks anymore? No. Do you have any thoughts of suicide? No. But like a drunk getting sober, he can't undo all the damage done, all the years lost. You know, I spent over a decade pushing people away and making my life harder on myself and not loving myself. So as far as dealing with the combat part of my PTSD, we were successful in that, but I, I still think I can be a better person. I still think there's room to grow. MDMA may be a breakthrough, but it's still a trial drug not likely to be available to the estimated one million veterans suffering from PTSD until 2024. What the breakthrough means to me is that we have a meaningful way to spend our time now so that we can bring a new paradigm of care to the people that need it most. It just means that there's real hope out there that may really end up being a game changer for people that have suffered for way too long. You know, we would be wise to understand how natural healing properties of this world have been destroyed, have been made illegal, have been hidden from humanity, how they've been demonized, weaponized. You know, this gentleman in the video, you listen to it, if you watch the video, you know, this man looked like he was emotionally up to his neck in stress, in fear. His fear was controlling and limiting his life. I mean, how many people do you know like that, brothers and sisters? How many people do we know that are, are dependent on alcohol or antidepressants or drugs or any other form of escapism and they develop further addictions and spiral further and further down into despair oftentimes leading to suicide oftentimes leading to hurting others or hurting themselves in various ways because they don't know how to cope you know it was interesting how you know he had mentioned in quote you know the depression itself lifted he said he might fall into a depression but i can pull myself out of it pretty easy i mean think about that confidence that a person could obtain you know think about how many people taking antidepressants can say this confidently the people taking lexapro zoloft prozac Efficor, XR, Paxel, CR, do you think they can all say that confidently? Or would they panic if they didn't have access to their drugs? You know, and he said something else that was profound. You know, his time with psilocybin fundamentally changes the way you approach the world. 
So you're opening out instead of narrowing down into a negative spiral. Do you think these bloodlines, these elites, the ones that control the world, want you to be able to do that? To be able to lift yourself up, to empower yourself, to go internal instead of external? To go natural instead of synthetic? I mean, we got to ask these type of questions. You know, and what I want us to be aware of is, you know, anytime something like this picks up steam where people are actually curing, you know, humanity from traumas, you know, past pains, all, you know, anytime you start seeing that and you start seeing success, you're going to see those individuals demonized. You're going to see new laws or requirements put up so that they can't continue to help assist other people. That's all you're going to see. And we are already starting to see mainstream media and mainstream so-called healthcare and scientists creep their ways into the psychedelic communities and we must be aware of the deception behind that you know why why am i finding an article from the 10.medium.com entitled synthetic psychedelics may soon replace your shrooms what do you think they're trying to do people synthetic psychedelics so they're going to continue to give you the lsds you know the mdmas you know, they're going to give you, probably give you ketamine. They're going to, you know, try to give you all the you know, two CBs. They're going to try to replace that. They'll even get to the point where just like fake weed, they're going to give you some form of, you know, mushrooms that you can go to the store. And I wouldn't be surprised if they already have this, you know, available, but they're going to give you some sort of psilocybin that, you know, has no connection to naturally occurring. And we already know what that means. We already know how that creates further issues with the body, mind, and soul. And let's let's transition over to how they are using a lot of these psychedelics, you know, through the mainstream media to basically experiment on people. You know, in terms of using these synthetic psychedelics, you already know my stance on synthetic psychedelics. I don't would never touch them with a ten foot pole. But anything that comes from the ground, I would rather learn from the per the people who've lived with it for hundreds of years, who, who've been healed from it. The ones who, you know, eat from the ground, eat from, you know, the creation, the ones who actually understand creation rather than somebody in a lab coat. That's just my take. Everybody can have their own opinion. It's your free will. So we're going to transition over to an audio excerpt from the cbsnews.com video entitled New Hope in Treating PTSD with Psychedelic Drugs, published on November 14, 2021. 